Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. What is up, Gypsy Gang? We're back again uh, with another great podcast. Can I say as usual? Or is that douchey to say? I think they're all good. They're all good people we talk to on here. Before we get into the podcast this week with my good friend Jeff Weatherall, I need to give a shout out to our sponsors as we normally do. I wanted to tell everybody just how easy it was for me to switch over to Boost Mobile. They made the whole process super easy basically because I was already a Telstra prepaid customer. Uh, All they did was send me a new SIM card. Uh, It was just a blank SIM. I then transferred my number, you get like a number to call, uh, called that number, transferred my current or my Telstra number onto the Boost Mobile network and I think it took about maybe four hours to be switched and, and on Boost and then ever since then I have been enjoying a metric crap ton of data. I've been living it up, playing Spotify playlists on a whim, just in the car going, you know what? I want to listen to some shit I haven't got saved. Bang, there it is. Never did that in the past. Feels good. Feels real good, I'm not going to lie. So that's how easy it was to join the Boost Mobile Network. Got some really cool stuff in the works with those guys. So as usual, first cab off the rank is thanking our homies at Boost Mobile. Head to boost.com.au or give their Instagram page a follow at boostoz. I'm also really excited to talk about a brand new sponsor that we have for the Gypsy Tales podcast and that brand is Nobby Underwear. Now, this is a true Aussie battler story uh, about a guy that had an idea and just made it happen. Um, I think from talking to Robbie, he said he had $500 on a credit card and 10 grand in savings and he started off with this crazy idea of making a subscription underwear company uh, while he was living in Chiligo in far north Queensland of all places. guess it must have been just too far to drive to the shops to get a pair of duds. But, and speaking of Rob, the story is just crazy. Uh, In three years, they've grown to be now shipping 500,000 pairs of undies every year, which just absolutely blew my mind. So it's really cool to align with a a company like that and they've got that real Aussie larrikin spirit if you go on onto their website you can see all the crazy designs that they do um, and undies are something that pretty overlooked I don't really put that much time 
um, into my undies and nine times out of ten I buy uh, one of those five packs and they're just all shit and then you just run them forever anyway because I don't know it seems like it's a bit of an afterthought but with Nobby it's a subscription based deal you get a new pair of undies every month so you're sort of not really going to have that worry so do yourself a favor and head to nobbyunderwear.com.au have a look at the designs that they've got running have a bit of a uh, geese. they've got some pretty funny video stuff on there that they do as well and you can follow them on instagram at nobby underwear also this is the last week that you are going to be able to win that custom surfboard from steel lewis the mad dog himself uh we've been running this comp for maybe like a month now uh and i've said it before all you have to do to enter this competition to win a custom surfboard from sld surfboards is take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast tag at gypsy tales podcast on instagram and tag at sld surfboards and that's all you need to do that lets the world know that you are a part of the gypsy gang and it also puts you in the draw to win that surfboard and i'm probably going to leave this podcast up for maybe a week get those last minute entries in uh and then we're going to pick the winner and that's as easy as it is steel is going to contact you and say what kind of surfboard do you want you're going to tell them exactly your dimensions and all that leaderage if you're a matt hoy fan and he's going to make it and send it to you and then you can surf it it's really like there's nothing crazy hard or complicated about this steel's just that route of a dude that he wants to give a surfboard to one of our listeners so and if you don't win you can order one off him he makes his boards out of his massive surfboard factory in newcastle and he can pretty much shape you anything you want he can even shape you like hand planes if you're one of those dudes i've got mine on the way i can't wait i'm going to take some photos of it and post it on the gram when it's done and then i'm hopefully going to spend every morning surfing it quickly before we go this weekend we are going to be at the transmoto eight hour in Mackay. got a bunch of us heading up for that team eight hour a year uh, me sam moore guy streeter and an unknown fourth rider yet to be announced i'm sure everybody's waiting on the edge of their seat for that announcement to take place but truth is we just don't even know who's gonna ride so we might be just doing it as a three-man finally uh, merch is available right now at gypsytalespodcast.com slash shop we've got a couple tees up there we've got a pretty gangster camo hoodie so if you want to rep the podcast you can just jump on there and uh get some of that ordered and we will be sending a bunch of that out this week so and thank you to everyone that's already ordered too it's super cool to see people actually uh be stoked on what we put up and want to represent the podcast so it's uh definitely super cool all right that's it that's me done talking for now this week's podcast is with my good friend jeff weatherall i think the tale of how we met is possibly one of the best gypsy tales i've actually got and it was maybe 10 11 11 years ago when we met and we've been really good friends ever since we sort of catch up randomly around the world uh but since he is living on the gold coast and i'm living on the gold coast we've actually been able to hang out a lot more which has been super cool so enjoy the next uh, couple hours hanging out with uh, me and jeff having a good old-fashioned gypsy tale 
Miss your weather roll. <laughs> What's happening, mate? Man, I've, I've been busy lately. You have been? I have been. When was the last time we saw each other, do you uh, reckon? Was it in California? It might have been Parlour. Yeah. And that was a long time ago. I know. I miss my dirt bike. It's um, it's weird how the time can go so quickly and you don't really think... Like, I don't feel like... That was probably 2004. 13 14 yeah i reckon so but that like it doesn't sound right though you know what i mean but when you say it like that's a really long time ago we've both been busy eh? but but at the same time that's like when you're friends with someone and it feels like there's no time has gone in between the time that you've seen each other then that's when you know you're kind of on the right track with someone yeah we we were talking about that with um do you know sam moore no Oh, he worked to, well, he's worked for everyone. Um, but he started, you know, Fist Gloves? Yes. Yeah, so he started Fist Gloves. Ah, okay. So he was like, me and him, when we first, we kind of, well, we're both the same age. Yeah. So we both started doing the MX Nationals thing at the same time in like 07. Yeah. So that's how far we go back. And like, I hadn't, I don't see him ever. Yeah. Until, well, he's on the Goldie now. But um, yeah, just the same deal. Call you up. Like, he called me a couple of years ago. He's like, is it your birthday? And I was like, yeah. And then he's like, oh, cool, man. I'm in California. And I was like, oh, sick. All right. Well, yeah, just let me know. Like, I'm just in Huntington. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm in Huntington. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what's, what's sick. The yeah. And what's then, the dude, but then it gets even weirder because I, I said, I'll text you my address. Then, like, he's like, I'll come over for a beer. Yeah. It's 200 meters down the road. He was oh, across no the road and down, like, five houses. <laughs> How did you guys not just bump into each other in the street? I know, Previous eh? to that. Yeah, it was heavy. That's so, funny. but yeah, I feel like we got a bit of that. For sure, for sure. Um, I wanted to talk about the story of, like, how we met. That's, I, like, the ultimate <laughs> gypsy tale ever. It is, actually. I was, uh, I was, uh, we just finished up skydiving down at Byron this afternoon, and I was um, riding home with one of the boys, and he's like, oh, what are you doing this afternoon? I said, oh, I'm going to go do a podcast. He's like, wait, what? I was like, man, you wouldn't believe the story when I met this guy. I was like, <laughs> it's the craziest story. And I, told, I filled him in on the story. He was like, no way. Funny how, funny how things like come about. So we got to tell the story. Mm, well, clearly, well, do you want to start things off or am I going to start things off? No, nah, what's your account? Because it would have been fucking weird for you. My, yeah. <laughs> like for real, like it wasn't weird for me. It was probably way weird for you. It was, it was, it was funny because Harley, I was going to go down in the afternoon to the Australian Pro Wakeboard Tour at Port Macquarie at Stony Park and I was getting ready to I think I was getting ready to go in the afternoon and Harley's like hey Harley Clifford yeah Harley Clifford yeah, yeah correct um, <laughs> he uh, he's like hey I got this buddy Jason his car's broken down or like there's something going on and he he needs a lift down to the event and I'm thinking Oh, sounds pretty shit. I'm like, it's like an eight hour drive. I was like, well, I'm already all set to go and now I'm gonna have to wait and then I don't know. I've never heard of this kid and I like feel like I know everyone in the industry. So it's yeah. like, this there's always weird if you don't know, you don't know, you haven't even, I haven't heard your name before. It's never yeah. come around. He's like, yeah, I've been doing a bunch of stuff with this guy. He's really awesome. And, um, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to babysit. Like, what's is it going to? Am I going to get some weirdo or whatever? And then, <laughs> and then we meet. We finally meet and jump in the car with me and we ride down. And it's like, oh, now we're new best friends and we're staying in a hotel together. We yeah. like pretty much don't like leave each other's side the entire time for the contest. Yeah, we were. <laughs> we were like, 
we're like, oh, it was because what happened was I was supposed to ride down with Harley, mm. and then I get to Harley's house when he said, and Harley's probably like fourteen at the time. Yeah, so he's just a kid, and um, and then his cousin or something was like, oh, I want to come. Yeah. So then Harley didn't tell anybody that. Of course, I was supposed four, to come because he's fourteen years yeah, old. He doesn't yeah, exactly. really. He hasn't really got logistics handled. Yeah, and um. <laughs> And then, yeah, so he's like, oh, but you can go with my buddy Jeff. And I was like, oh, sorted. So I just cruised with Harley all day. And then we end up, yeah, getting in the car. It was like an eight-hour drive down to Port yeah, Macquarie. And then, and then by the time we got there, we were like, no, nah, we're fucking mates. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. I do like situations like that in terms of you kind of – you never know where, where it's going to go. And then look at us now, like how – it's been, what, eight, ten years? Yeah. Or more. Man, I want it. That probably would have been like 08 or 09, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, but yeah, we just ended up being thick as thieves, (laughs) eh? And then, like, it's crazy because we've even got other weirder stories of, like, um, so I go to a fucking rock music show (laughs) and I'm backstage, and then they're like, the band that I was with, Issues, is like, oh, hey, meet Dave. He's the owner of our record label. And I was like, g'day, Dave. How you going? I'm Jace, blah, 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 blah. And um, just small talk. What's happening? Yep. Blah, blah. Like, what are you into? He's like, oh, I just got back from the Philippines doing base jumping. <laughs> and I was like, my friend does base jumping. <laughs> like, just completely <laughs> random statement. And he was almost like, it's the same thing. It's like, it's base jumping is even smaller than oh, wakeboarding. Well, like, it's probably like, of all that, all the action sports communities, it would be the smallest and probably tightest yeah. in terms of the least amount of clickiness and the most amount of like, everybody knows everybody. Yeah. Like, it's pretty awesome, actually. So, yeah, Dave's like, well, let's see if this kid's fucking full of shit or if he actually knows a friend, like, if his buddy is a base jumper. Yeah. And then uh, he's like, oh, who's your mate? And I was like, oh, Jeff Weatherall. And he just fully like white in the face, like <laughs> it's like I was just with him. I was just with him, just <laughs> with him in KL. Oh, yeah, I think we did a trip to Malaysia for. Um, they do an event every year um, off the KL Manara Tower. And yeah. It's like kind of looks like the Sydney Space Needle thing that they got going on, and um, they let us come and jump out there every year. And yeah, we we'd met and hung out there and travelled all through that area and did, did a bunch of jumping. Yeah, <laughs> was a, yeah. So that was like I've just got. It just seems like, yeah, you're just like one of my mates where it's always this super random, like six degrees of separation. Like, I do, I do like that. Yeah, I did this with Jeff. I did this with Jeff. I did that. And that was just like, oh, I was with him or, yeah. It's I so, couldn't believe it, man. Because like, especially, well, like, I just get into so many different areas of sports and, I, and I'm mm. never stopping. Like, I'm always like, oh, I've got this project over here and I'm doing this with these people over here that I do end up having a pretty good like vast network of people all over well, the even, place well um, even you were doing stuff with Robbie hmm. for Pipe Dream yes and then like he's one of my like all time greatest mates as well yeah. and then I'm like seeing you with Matt Piver yeah and I'm like what are you Wait doing about Piver <laughs> <laughs> this guy knows everyone yeah so but I mean that's I guess that's like me and Sam were talking about it the other night is that it's just an industry like you know so many people think about like oh man i'd love to make it in that industry i'd love to work in that like it's literally like the coffee industry or the wine industry like if you want to get into the wine industry you just need to get a job at a winery totally and it's like you're like if you get a job for like let's say body glove like say your dream is to meet harley clifford like you're this Mm. obsessive wakeboarder and you want to like get in the scene 
start working for body glove in the warehouse and you're in the industry you <laughs> know what ma- I mean? and you made him but yeah. and then it's like it's so um i guess i don't know if click like if clicky can be like a negative word i don't know yeah. but it's like it is kind of clicky like you'll get this guy knows this guy and and then i think you'll find in this industry like if you are friends with somebody then they'll be down with you being friends with a friend yeah totally you know like totally. so aaron rathy is a good example yeah of like i met uh i needed someone to help me film and then harley was like oh get my mate aaron rathy and i'd obviously heard of him because of his career yeah and i was like sweet and same same thing you know like and then if you, your friends you are friends cl- you end up clicking right away yeah you know what's funny especially for me I, for people that don't know originally i'm from new zealand um and for me coming through in the wakeboarding scene and everything just seemed like massive yeah like these pros in florida and they're like it just seems so big and so far away and then i leave new zealand when i'm like 18 and go to florida and like a week later i'm like meeting Everett. like oh this is parks bonifay oh this is sean murray and i'm just like my mind's like like yeah. blowing and then I start to realize like, just, oh, this industry is yeah. pretty small. And then I start delving into stuff with the with the surf and then the freestyle motocross as well. And then next minute I'm like, oh, this is Robbie Madison and this is Ronnie Renner over here and here's Brian Deegan. And next minute you've got like, oh, here's uh, Andy Irons and and Kelly Slater. And you're just like, all of a sudden it feels like what was massive. It's just like, yeah, it's just like the tiniest All of a sudden world. like it, the, the, it's almost like the media perception or if you're not – in the industry bubble then it seems massive well like when you're a kid like unwrapping a dvd that you've like waited for months to get (laughs) from america because like it's like a year later than what people have watched in the states and you like pop it in your dvd player and then you get a red ball and you sit down you're like full peak out yeah yeah and it like that seems so far away because like who else do you have to relate to on TV is like full Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly you get right. that idea, but it's just literally people. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, eh? It's awesome. But it's yeah, awesome. when you, it. yeah, when you really get in there and you find like, uh, yeah, I had a lot of that same stuff back in the States when I first went to America, it was just like, you just meet all these people and like, and almost the trick, like I see people when they're going to get like in autograph lines and stuff like that. It's yep. like, you're, they're looking at them and it's like someone's own so like with toby right so you can go to the fink for toby price and he's yep. like literally fucking tom cruise yeah and then you go to suncorp stadium <laughs> with him to watch a broncos game and it's just like a face in the crowd yeah so fame or whatever is just it's, perception yeah, it's, totally it's just a just, person yeah. but then i guess you reach those like upper echelons of fame where shit does get weird because they start thinking they're as famous as they are yeah. but i don't think anyone in in our world maybe like sean white or or i don't know like he's probably would he be the most famous action sports person you reckon in terms of like kind of hollywoody maybe i don't know i i think if your ego doesn't get in the in the way and you don't blow 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 steam up your ass yeah then you you're probably not you're not gonna fall into that trap of thinking that you're bigger than you are you know yeah for sure but i think definitely like you you get into that echelon of people where it just that's just natural like Mm. i feel like they have they have to go up and like experience that and then they come back down i think everyone eventually comes back down yeah of course so i i think it's funny just um you know, at fit, like I was talking about myself as a kid, just fanning out on that, and then I started to realize it, it's just there's just a people yeah. with 
with skills that we that we like kind of put on this pedestal but and some of them and some of them you realize are really nice people yeah and some are just assholes like yeah. and that's just like normal well, some, that, some people are assholes and some people are nice people and, yeah, and which the, is the, same the ones the you know world. when there's just a yeah it's just a real world thing yeah that that was one of the things too when i went over to the states for the first time and i was like oh you're a fuckhead like, <laughs> and you're just like damn it you rip all the posters off the wall well, and you're well, like man your dreams are shattered yeah, and you're that like person. bar to bar 2004 supercross all i did was watch your shit like yeah. on repeat and now you've just ruined it for me but at the same time that goes the other direction but yeah, exactly when I, when I first showed up in florida and i started doing these these little local contests they do this uh, thing called the performance gravel tour over there and it's kind of if you're coming through you can just kind of go cut your teeth so to speak in the in these content these local contests but you still got guys like sean murray and parks and or darren all these guys that were at the top of the sport during that time when i was coming into it and i remember meeting parks per se and i was like oh my gosh he was like the biggest idol like i love the way he rides and like i love his style and all that kind of thing and then i meet him and then he was like so down to earth oh, yeah. and so nice and then i'd go to these contests and he'd be like He'd literally take time. Hey, Jeff, how you going? Like, how's things? Like, yeah. like catch up. And you're like, man, that like el- almost elevated. Makes them to, it better. You're like, this person is just genuinely a cool person and they're not like too big for their boots. Like, there's nothing worse than meeting someone and they just think they're so cool. Yeah. And for for whatever reason, it's like, well, you can just be cool to everyone. Like, yeah. Don't have to, don't have to put yourself on a pedestal. Yeah, and like a, a really good example of that is Travis. Yes. Like Travis Pastrana is actually better in person yeah. than he is on camera. Yeah. Like when you hang out with that guy, you're like, well, he was one of the guys where I was, wouldn't say starstruck, but he was a guy where I was like, damn, that's Travis Pastrana. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah, met, I can't even remember. Maybe I was like 19 or 20 when I met him, but yeah. um the guy was just the nicest dude ever i remember dc shoes asked me to do like some interviews with him for like the first ever nitro thing yeah so i went down there i was by myself and blah 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 hey travis blah blah and yet i was instantly he just made you feel like one of the boys to where i was just like fuck that's like that's how it could be done and then there's guys that do it the other way but like you have more respect for them as a person when they are because it's like travis's accomplishments like fully speak for itself but yeah, then, he's got nothing nothing necessarily to prove. No. Nah. And then he doesn't act that way either. He's and then like, that, but that makes him better. Yeah, totally. So it's like you couldn't be, you, you think the dude couldn't get any better than what he is. Yeah. In your own, like in terms of your perception of him. Yeah. And then you meet him and he's like a fucking legend. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, you just got better. Like, I, I used to laugh like at the, and especially in like that 2000 era of, you know, especially the freestyle guys, like a lot of like heavily tattooed, big tough guys, and then you've got like Travis, kind of like dorky, funny yeah. kind of kid, but like his riding just smashes everyone, everyone by a country mile. And then, and then, like you said, you meet him and you're like, oh man, this, guy's, this is even better. This is super funny. He'll like talk to any kid, like spend as much time as he needs, like signing autographs, doing whatever. I'm like, that's the definitely. He's definitely one of the kind of people that. I looked up to myself in terms of being an athlete and modeling like after that kind of like the the off the bike behavior yeah yeah it was the same with danny half's another one in wakeboarding where he's just like the most humble guy with the with the craziest style and just will like 
sit down and take the time to like have a chat to you and make you feel like mm. it like he makes you feel good yeah. about like you're like oh my god this person that i that i look up to or that i want to you know emulate i love their style or i love the way they do this and then you meet them and they're like and then you're a genuine person there's yeah. no like fakeness or there's no like there's no tough guy stickers everywhere there's no whatever. there's just this like super genuine i wonder if nowadays you just can't get away with it in the way that you could before with like in terms of like because of social media so and PC. Shit. yeah well not even that like i just feel like fans have to be respected so I, it's like people are having to work harder for their fan base nowadays because people have so many options in yeah, a, you know man. what i mean like it's funny because i feel like like so for instance i met uh i hate like i don't i hate blowing people out and being negative like mm. i don't want to do it yeah. but so just for the a story's sake like i met todd potter yeah and i'm not like a fanboy of todd yeah. potter you know what i mean but yeah. like he's a dude that is quote unquote famous in the, that yep. industry and um so then we were doing a film thing at his house with uh, Ty Simmons. He yep. was training for Best Whip and we were trying to make like a promo thing to get Ty into Best Whip for X Games. Yep. Todd was there at his house, obviously. Mm. And then he came out on this like, I think it was like, would have been 2012, right? So then he was on like a 2002 CR80. And then he, he's like, rides up the landing ramp. And then I was like, damn, that thing's old school. And he just turns around and goes, it's not old school, bro. And I was like, I mean, it's a decade old. Like a decade's a while, right? Yeah. And then he just like fucking looked at me like I was the biggest cock ever and then rode off. And I'm like, you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Like for a starters, if you want to get technical, if something's a decade old, I would call it old school. Like like an iPhone one. You'd go yeah. like, damn, that thing's old school. That's, that's, that's 10 years old. Yeah. So I'm just apart from that. But I was like, man, like it was just a weird weird thing where that was like a that was purely out of ego mm. like there was no oh, you know what i mean people people will for sure just remember you by the way you treated them yeah and the like the, the guy's probably not that bad of a dude but i've never had one <laughs> second of time for todd potter in like so i mean and like todd potter's not tripping on me not no being his no, fan but no. at the end of that's like that's completely unnecessary and then you get a dude like travis pastrana who's 3,000 times more recognizable in on the scale yep. of, you know, w where someone's ego could potentially yeah. be. Yep. And then he's not doing that. Mm. I, so, found, I found the, the same in the in the few meetings I've had with Kelly Slater. Yeah, right. He's like so humble, so nice, like willing to talk and not blow people off. And then guys that are a little bit down the down yeah, the edge always or the down, guys the, in the, down the pecking order yep. yeah that are scratching for the top they're the ones fighting and hustling and talking it, shit and yep. stuff like that i've got a crazy i'll tell you off air i got a crazy kelly slater story but <laughs> i'm like i'm saving it because i'm trying to get him on the podcast yeah okay and he's he's in the gold <laughs> he's, coast he's, right now and oh, i yeah. text him yeah. and then it's like i'll get a bunch of replies when i'm in california when he's in california but when he's in earshot of like Wait, no, you could come to the studio right now. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know if I want to text back on that one. But I, like, he is, my first dealing with him, I was blown away. Yeah. Like, um, and yeah, I just, I want to say the story for when he does come on. Yeah, fair But enough. like, man, just something he didn't have to do. Yeah. And just went like so above and beyond to be like, like I was full on floored by how, like the humility and the generosity of it. And like, we'd never even met yeah so i was just, yeah you're right yeah. and and you know what's funny too i think that you find people that are like like um 
we've got a like a super wealthy uh like friend right yeah and then you look at them and there's no ego no signs of wealth there's no really crazy material things to like signal like yo bitch i could buy the state (laughs) you know what i mean so it's like they're not doing that but then it's like what you were saying with like the people a couple rungs lower where it's like they might be making a bit of money but then they've got a loan to buy that porsche gt3 and then they're like kind of stressing on repayments (laughs) and they're wearing really nice shit and it's like that look unpaid kind of deal and they're just pieces of shit versus the other way around eh? and then but you go back to the very bottom rung and they're humble and they're because there's no you know what i mean there's like well we don't have anything to to be yeah well and they're like we don't have anything like we're just trying to get by so it's like you've got that bottom humble nice generous and a lot of times people that are super poor are super generous yeah totally so like when you see that when you go to like third world countries and stuff like we're in costa rica not that that's third world but i'd say that's low socioeconomic Hmm. and the people in the villages are just like welcoming us in and like trying to make your food and but then, yeah, like if you'd go just knock on any door of like upper middle class anywhere, it'd be like, hey, can we come in for dinner? Like, get the fuck off my porch. Orange County. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's like, that's my example of that thing that I'm talking about where it's like you kind of paid, but yeah. you borrowed the money to get a Porsche and then you live on the peninsula. Yeah. You're like hearing that one, the peninsula. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, ah, oh, you're the guy in the middle. So it's like, <laughs> it's like, you, yeah, you can be humble. Be humble at the bottom, be humble at the top, be humble mm. at the middle. Yeah. So, um, so we haven't even spoken really about who Jeff Weatherall is. Uh, Jeff Weatherall was a professional wakeboarder for how many years? Uh, 15 or 16 years. And dope style. Thank you. And could just fucking do anything he's that guy he's one of those guys and then what you had like a bit of a run at professional surfing for a bit with your brother right i i mean to to set the story at the start at the very start i guess like grew up in a small town in new zealand um started started got a skateboard when i was real young then then we got given surfboards at about five and after that me and my brother were just like oh we want to be pro surfers that's we just lived breathed everything was surfing so the eh? surfing come first surfing was always first always been first like number one like yeah. always and, um, and you rip too and like to set this guy like jeff rips on a surfboard and we 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 grew up like competing around the north island of new zealand and, and had some local sponsors and and it was super fun and then kind of just got to a point when I was about 16 years old that just I got just burnt out on the contest thing even though I really wanted to be a professional I was just like um like I just wasn't like in a, in a good mental headspace and left ended up leaving school um getting into snowboarding and went down to a ski resort in New Zealand um started was like oh I'm really loving the snowboarding my skills from surfing and skateboarding kind of are really tra- transferring and I thought, oh, you know, maybe this would be something that I could that, that I could do well at. Yeah. Um, and I did a couple of seasons down um, at ski resort Mount Rapehu, um, became a snowboard instructor. And then I thought, well, I'll take a summer off. I'll save my money. Then I'll start going to Whistler and then I'll see if I can crack this thing. And the summer that I took off, my auntie and uncle came and they said to me, hey, um, you want to come wakeboarding with us? And no was, shit. And I was like nah <laughs> nah it's kind of gay i'm like i don't i'm like not really like very aerial aware I'm like and i was just like surfing all the time all the, in my spare time i was just surfing 
I remember leave, actually leaving the beach and I was driving away and I'm like, what? they like convinced me to come up. They're like, come, you'll love it, you'll love it. And I was like, I don't know about, I don't really know much about the sport. I'd been like played around behind the boat, like scurfing and yeah. that kind of stuff. And went out for a week, spent a week with them. And by the end of the week, I was like, oh, my, my mind just like poof, knew like another new board sport to do, you know. Yeah. And, and again, like translated skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding. And then now here we are at wakeboarding. And then I spent the summer wakeboarding and I like picked up a bunch of tricks very quickly, picked up a local sponsor, Ballistics, um, in uh, Takapuna in New Zealand. Actually, they've been a sponsor of mine throughout my entire career. Really? Um, yep. And that's, we still do stuff. stuff what, are they, what do they do? So they're um, wake and snow. Yeah, right. So, so they're just a, a local wakeboard and snowboard shop. And then at the time as the wakeboard scene was growing in New Zealand, they um, they put together a wakeboard camp they got a couple of boats and a, and a like lake area that was pretty amazing we started running camps and coaching and so the early part of my career when I didn't really have any like paying sponsors I'd come back from the US in the summer and um and coach for them yeah but right. anyways pre that I, I spent so were you the first pro New Zealand wakeboarder yeah the first the, there was a couple of guys before me um guy by the name of Gavin Broadbent was really like he's like the the godfather godfather of new zealand wakeboarding yeah and then glenn fletcher was really the like the first guy to like have a crack at competing and he had some sponsors um but never took it to like a full-time like full-time level you know what i mean whereas so i started wakeboarding and i got psyched on it and then i realized oh do i want to snowboard or do i want to wakeboard and and all of a sudden i was thinking hey nobody from new zealand has ever been a full-time professional wakeboarder I love the summer. It makes sense. Yeah. Let's see how I go. I went to the New Zealand Nationals. Um, the second time I competed at the New Zealand Nationals, I won the Open Division. And I was like, right. It's on. It's on. So I actually had said to myself, my, my goals in my head were like, if I go to the Nationals and I do top three, I'll go to the US and see how I go. And if I don't, then I'll put the wakeboard away and I'll just keep keep on going with the snowboarding thing. And I won. And a week later, I'm in Florida working at a ski and wakeboard school, teaching, coaching, being able to ride every day, then starting to meet all of these yeah. people that were like heroes and that I'd just only ever seen on videos. And all of a sudden, next minute, I find myself in Europe doing the European Pro Tour and just kind of cutting my teeth there for a few seasons and um, then turned pro. And like the rest is kind of history. It kind of ran away. Like at, at that point, I like, I mean, I worked really hard. Like so many people, even from especially from New Zealand, were like, "You're too old. You're, you're too old. You're already past your 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 stage. You'll never be able to make it as a pro." But for me, that just kind of filled my fire, really. Yeah. Like really, just motivated me. I, all I thought was, okay, these guys that I'm going to be riding against have been riding their whole lives growing up. Well, so it just means I just got to ride yeah. twi- twice yeah. as hard. It was fine by me, and certainly didn't lack the motivation to get get out and ride yeah because you seem like the kind of guy that was really driven by like negative stuff because mm, totally. you, you find and i think that can be like that can be a, a blessing and a curse yeah totally um because like the guy that comes to mind that has the epitome of that is chad reed yeah like when has chad done the best when <laughs> everyone said that he'd do the worst yeah so and you know like he takes out the insurance policy on himself but then i think you see like the flip side of that is there's like a, there's a, a definitely a negative flip side to that if you like let that be the only thing that drives you totally so yeah it seemed like you were a guy that kind of was able to harness that kind I, of i definitely liked 
when people if someone tells me i can't do something then i'm gonna be like fuck you yeah let me show you yeah and it, and it is and it can be a driving force um but i don't i think well i think for me things are different now yeah but um we just get older and wiser you know yeah that's right you like a lot of experience has been gained on the road traveling the world for the last 15 years yeah you which is cool you definitely learn a lot and <laughs> yeah. i don't think people oh the beers are here yes cool yeah rick dog <laughs> couple gns <laughs> you need to get a beer sponsor for the show like an like a naming so you've got, i would got, not be mad go, go thank Jeffy you thank i you. would not be mad at a beer sponsor I'll, I'll say that yeah i think um we all we'd have to be close with the matt hoy podcast Cheers, speaking brother. speaking of um beer sponsors ballistics wakewood camp when it was running uh through the early 2000 years um sponsored by corona those guys used oh. to drop like pellets of of beer off all the time like no the, the, the truck would drive past the camp just drop like a pellet stacked to the roof high and so people coming down the wakeboard camp would be like we're like go on try and make a dent at that oh. they wouldn't be able to wakeboard the rest of the weekend <laughs> saved heaps of money on gas for us but um, <laughs> but people would get super hammer timed it's Thanks, pretty Rick. funny i can't really drink corona now because of that actually Dude, i um <laughs> i remember let's move this away from electrics um, I remember going the first time I went to the States, uh, when you see like Corona's is like six bucks for a 12 pack. Yeah. And in Australia, it's like, I don't know, what would it be? 30, 40 mm. bucks. So man, we just did the same thing. We just like bought so much Corona <laughs> and we just went ham on it, mate. Like we, we, in our fridge is like Corona's and then 40 limes. And now if someone just does a corona i'm like i don't think i might just drink something yeah, else because yeah, you just get I'll, I'll blown level, out of them <laughs> yeah I'll level but water. corona if you're listening yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i love coronas no they're still good i would love to get sponsored by great northern especially <laughs> if they sent them like to the states when we go back Cause, yeah because then you'd have something that nobody else has yeah you don't they wouldn't be it's a little there. bit exotic yeah because you know that's all that's cool right <laughs> exotic australian mm. the beer from up here plus being from north queensland too yeah it makes sense um what were you talking about anyways yeah we were talking about the early years of, yeah, of wakeboarding bloody wakeboarding yeah um and i guess it was kind of like almost in it in its like bubble stage mm. where like because you had parks and danny yeah. And it was sort of blown up. Like there, were, there actually was some pretty decent money in yeah, it. Yeah, there was. I, I, looking back now, to be honest, I feel like we did get really lucky. I feel like I definitely my career was through the golden years of of wakeboarding as as things were pro the boats were progressing, the tricks were progressing. Like there was just this like this whole level that was changing all the time every year. Yeah. Um, and it was, everybody was on, nobody was serious on tour as far as like everybody that had got on tour, everybody was making a bit of money. Everybody was having a really good time along the way. And nobody was like, Oh, I'm going to bed early. Cause we're like, yeah. really serious about it and stuff. It was like, it would be not uncommon to see, you know, Brett Eisenhower or someone yeah. someone on the dock the next morning like with a really bad hangover before a final heat, you know? Yeah. There's like six guys in a heat and at least four of them like maybe have a quick little little puke before they do their run kind of a thing. And those years were really fun because it wasn't like, it didn't turn into a jock sport. And then as the, as Harley Clifford's generation's yeah. coming, they're so young, they're traveling with their parents. And they're not allowed to drink but legally. That's the thing, they're they're yeah. traveling with their parents. Where's the party with all the dads? Yeah. As we were like, as the end of our careers were fading, you know, we would party with dads and then all of a sudden these kids and now they're old enough to 
travel but they're still really young they're not old enough to drink and i don't know to, to me like pro tour now looks kind of boring yeah like compared to i feel like we did get really lucky through those years and it's different it's changed it's like you know much more pc with the marketing and the sponsorship and stuff yeah. like that but it's nice now to be able to sit back and no you I got can, it I in can, the golden I, years well i can sit i can sit back and and know that i'm not going to get reprimanded by a sponsor for saying this or saying that but like yeah. it was a, it was a good time yeah and like it was in x games and there was yeah it was a part of everything yeah it seemed like wakeboarding got to a point where it just like really hit had a lull like it was just the sets were rolling through and everyone was pumped and then it just went flat well i think that probably the and i was living in california was probably the probably the the gfc time too because like who's gonna those boats are fucking so (laughs) expensive yeah and then what you're gonna just everyone live in canyon lake it it did uh, the gfc like a lot so many guys lost sponsors or at least got their sponsorship halved and then you think you know, someone wants to buy a hundred thousand dollar boat, and then they got to put gas in it and do all these extra things. It's like became too expensive for a lot of people. Whereas in, early, in the early years, it was cheap. It was cheap to run. Like even even the most expensive boats from seventy, eighty, eighty. Because what was that Mastercraft thing that Harley's got to be worth now? It'd probably be close to two hundred grand. Close to two hundred grand. You could buy you could buy a house for <laughs> like, <laughs> like whoa. Like who? If you see a kid rolling around with a G23 or a Mastercraft or something these days, like, you know, the parents are rolling deep. Yeah. Because nobody's like we are. We used to, you know, you fill the boat up for, you know, 80 bucks max between a whole bunch of guys. And now it's like you'd be like 200 plus per day just to run the thing. Yeah. That's not including like trying to tow it somewhere and all the other extras that that are included. Yeah. And I guess like I guess that's where the whole cable park thing was good. But it just didn't seem like, again, that's such a luxury item. Like, what's yep. there, five cable parks in the country? Yeah. You know, like, so... And, and cable riding was different, too, in in terms of uh, style and the people that it drew to it and, and stuff like that as well. Yeah, because I, I will say, though, man, like, when I go... Because I'm pretty good friends with Steel now through yep. Harley. Um, and then, like, Roxon lives on the lake there. Travis has his house on the lake, like that little lake conway kind oh. of ecosystem is pretty that, that, crazy that well i used to live in lake jessamine just like the Across next, next that, one yeah. over and that that whole area is amazing yeah and i think that you know it's obviously like hashtag white privilege sport really these totally. days like if you're totally. doing it but when you look at harley's story and steel's story and they're just cruising boat sets every day and they're just pumping the sun in florida and you know little. but that that um to me the amount of people at that that top portion now is has actually like dwindled oh, into a much smaller circle anyone, yeah whereas whereas during our time they the top 40 guys on the pro wakeboard tour in the u.s were making like anywhere between 80 to 200 grand and like you can live a pretty good comfortable like it's not yeah. massive money but you can if you're a like 19 year old kid yeah. and you've got a boat sponsor and a truck sponsor and a clothing deal and this and that and you get to travel the world and you're like make some cash on top yeah, like you, you feel like you're living like a rock star yeah for you know? sure even if you don't have the i uh, like myself included the the um i don't know the the foresight to maybe put some cash away <laughs> it was like really good time sometimes i think oh you know i could maybe own a few houses now but i like i traveled so yeah, much you were and on even the go. On, and even well it, it hasn't even changed now yeah. e- even now 
whenever I have spare time and I'm not traveling, I want to travel more. Yeah. I, I want, I've got places I want to go to people, people I want to see like different things that I haven't done that I want to experience. And I kind of can't, can't really get enough of that. I get itchy if I, if I'm like, I spend six months in Australia and I'm like, Oh, I need to like yeah. get out of here and experience something different. Well, I've said it before on here, but I just have FOMO every like 24 <laughs> seven because like right now my friends are at the masters. Mm. And then it's like, but then if I'm here and like Rick's here and I'm not here, I'm like just frothing to get back home. So it's like, ne- I'm never in a place of like, <sighs> just yeah. chill, you know, like <laughs> there's always when you travel for so long and you meet so many people yeah, and it's like a blessing and a curse in a, in a way, because you want, like I have friends that I'd love to hang out with all the time and yep. I, you just can't, it's like, you just get these small seasons with friends yep. and you know, like it's the same, like with us, yeah. you know, like if we don't, we, you know, go years without seeing each other and it's like, preferably you'd hang out more. Yeah, totally. It's just not, never, how, not always in the same place and it doesn't always, yeah. you know what, at the end of the day though, that, that whole thought and that 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 whole lifestyle that we get to lead like makes me feel really really fucking lucky oh it's, like we, it's crazy I, I i i feel like i try and often step back for a second and look at like the things that i've they've gotten to do or gotten to experience just because of wakeboarding or just because of certain yeah. action sports and i'm just like man i as if i thought to myself now as a you know 15 year old kid like and i could foresee what i've been able to do so far i would that would have blown my i would have been like there's no way that's a that's a too far gone dream and instead now i look back and i think man i've gotten to meet some of the coolest people in the world do some of the craziest things that like kind of blow my mind even when i think back to them now yeah and we're just so lucky it's crazy too like it's a lot of the peripheral people as well that you don't really like you know obviously you, you think about like those really big name guys like the kelly slaters and like they're obviously super cool as well but like man for example for me it's like jason baker the dude that builds the own stream tracks yep and builds like all the big motor that guy is like the legend of all legends you know so it's yep. like those sometimes it's those people on the side those like fringe guys yep. that are sort of in the industry that you you end up having like these crazy friendships yep. with like jeremy malott from red bull and yep. you know like there's just so many guys where it's like it's really cool getting to like meet a ricky carmichael and hang with a dude like that but there's just like so many equally as cool people and i think it's because you don't just like get to be around those kind of people or around the industry like i guess the industry has a way of like kind of filtering people out it definitely does and then so it's like if you're like a career dude in some of these industries like sure there's career assholes like is there (laughs) with anything but like for the most part you know what i mean like if you're driving a truck for someone or if you're um you know like being a trainer for a long time you're probably a pretty rad guy because you've We've gotten to meet you know, meet a lot of people and see a lot of things and yeah. and experience a lot of things along the way, which is cool. Yeah, you get that. I guess like extra perspective as yeah. well. That kind of traveling, traveling. The, the people, the people that I find are the most open minded and kind of like learned are people that have like done heaps of traveling. Dare you say so, woke? <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to get all like spiritual and yoga in terms of like the language that I'm going to use. But yeah, yeah. People that kind of have a perspective that yeah. is um, 
you know, really open-minded to all sorts of different people and cultures and stuff, other people that have really traveled and people that, you know, someone that's like been in some small town somewhere and has never been or gone anywhere, they're the ones with maybe a potentially really racist or ignorant kind of point yeah. of view. And, it, and a, it's... A lot of times too, it's hard to... <clears throat> like you wonder how much you can even blame that a person no no well, you know if they mean? haven't like, had the opportunity they don't know do they right no well, like that that whole saying you don't know what you don't know mm. like that is it's so that's like i feel like if you want to get like yogi and weird and deep that's the thing like that's the problem yep. with everything you don't know what you don't know yeah totally like you, it doesn't make you a piece of shit <laughs> that you were never in a situation yeah to be exposed to an idea or taught something and that's i think like that's the problem i think that we just you just generally face as like people now is like we these people don't know what they don't know yeah we know it we were lucky to have something you know like good parent a good mentor a good friend a big brother a big sister like somebody that got that little bit more experience that just opened it up and then you're like oh okay that yeah you just see these people yeah like like what you said and it's like it's unfortunate it is it just makes me it's just like i was saying before it just makes me feel more lucky at the end of the day you know what i definitely you you do get jaded though like i'm sure you would have found like living in a suitcase and like sometimes you kind of crave a bit of normal and you totally. like i had i definitely had some experiences where i look back at it now and i was like fuck man that was like a, such an amazing experience that you didn't really enjoy because you you had a just a shitty attitude towards yeah. it and it's like i get why i had a shitty attitude but now I'm really actively trying to be like, no, you're lucky. This it's, is way yeah. better than anything else that you... It's funny when you look back on things and you ha- and your perspective of the same situation changes a bit because you've moved, move, you've moved or grown a little bit more yeah. and you look back and you're like, actually, that was a pretty good time. Yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong, through the wakeboard seasons over the years, there were certain times where... I'd be like, our boat is the last place I want to be. Like, yeah. fuck this. I, like, <laughs> I, like my knees hurt, my body hurts. I'm like not getting paid enough. I, I, I'm expecting that I should be paid more. I should be do this. And everybody thinks the same. When you're busting your ass, you think yeah. you're and you're trying to make it to the next level, especially when you're a competitive person. You know, it's natural to be to get a bit jaded when you're like, I think, I think I should be getting more. Yeah. You see someone else and you maybe like look at their situation you think oh well, i'm just as good or this yeah. or that but that's like the wrong way to think about things well, for sure. <laughs> yeah i mean comparison's just such a slippery slope you <laughs> well, that's know? why social media is so bad these days yeah everybody gets on their instagram or wherever and they're like oh but these people are doing this and that my life's not that cool and like all of a sudden people start getting depressed about yeah where their life's at when i was i was talking to a friend of mine today and and we were talking about that and i was like you can't that's just like this edited version of yeah. of things. I was like, everybody goes through roller coasters. It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody gets the shit end of the stick sometimes. Yeah. So, but the one thing we do get to choose every single day when you wake up is the attitude that you face the day with. So, oh, 100%. to me, that's probably probably the most important thing that I try and like remind myself of is when I get up is that I get to, no matter what situation I get during the day, is that I get to choose how I react to that. I can, yeah. someone can pull shit on me and i can either choose to be like fuck you like and be angry and negative about it which doesn't achieve anything now you've yeah. just got two angry people instead of one angry person or you can just you know let it slide and move on or you know well i think that there's a 
there's a guy um aubrey marcus i don't know if you've heard of him he, he owns on it mm. and he does a crazy podcast and some of his shit's way too full-on for me <laughs> but there's like everyone should listen to this podcast i think it's called ego is the enemy um if can you look that up for us Rick? i think it's called like ego is the enemy or something like that mm. but like i'd never really thought about the ego as like a thing right yeah and then but like everyone has an ego Mm. but it's how you like kind of manage it and if like i'll get cocky about shit all the time you know what i mean or like when you talk about yourself too much in a conversation (laughs) like i'm guilty of that a bunch but a lot of time i'm like i'm excited or i'm trying to tell a story Mm. and you know but then like i leave and i'm like fuck yeah my ego just talked about myself for you know what i mean so I it's found, like i found that early on in, in my career i go to the u.s and i come back and i'm just like so excited about yeah. like where things are going and i talk to people and some people would maybe take it the the wrong the direction wrong way, yeah like that like that guy's so damn cocky and thinks yeah. he's the shit i'm like no i'm just like really damn excited frothing, about yeah. i'm just frothing super hard and um, then people do the comparison thing because yeah. they're like oh so he's telling me he did all this and then automatically they're a little bit defensive because like well my, i didn't get a summer in america i got winter in fucking in new zealand you know what i mean rainy cold auckland yeah but like i definitely find myself doing that and it's like i guess self-awareness is like the thing like yeah. you have to just like you have to hand your taxes in to an accountant every year and then like essentially you audit and you're like yeah. oh you're fucking broke or no you doing what you know what I mean? yeah. it's like you have to like audit yourself and you have to be like because i think that about like there's an argument to be like don't care what people think about you and mm. you know what i mean like don't worry about other people's thoughts but it's like if enough people think you're a piece of shit yeah you're probably a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> so it's like at some point at some point you've got to like slightly bridge like what you think of yourself with what people think of you and if you're like kind of like in the ballpark where it's like there's no massive deviations then you're probably like self-aware in a way you know what i mean but it's like this podcast with um aubrey i was listening to it i'm saying aubrey like he's my mate um you he just talked as like the ego is like this thing and if you he talks about playing himself and life as like a sim character so it's like your sim is waiting instructions yeah so it's like if you're not pulling the strings and you're not like giving the sim instructions then you're that's just ego like that's just ego running you around and you don't even know what the fuck you're doing in this whole game if you're not consciously aware of where you're trying to go yeah and what what the decisions you're trying to make yeah yeah and so like when he said that and, and like and then I, I kind of would try to think about myself and I was like, oh, that's kind of ego driven. That's driven by ego. Mm. That's driven by ego. And then you can slowly start to like check yourself and then you get yeah. that audit process going. Yeah. But then like, I can't remember who we were talking about. Someone, like, there's someone the other day and we we're like, man, that person's just like living with ego, like only ego. They, they're so, you know, when you're like, they probably they don't even know they're doing it like they're yep. that far gone <laughs> and it's like that's that is their ego but every, just everybody's like on their own journey you know everybody's yeah, true. trying to everybody's trying to figure this thing out and again you life. don't know what you don't know <laughs> that's right so it's like you can't really hold a grudge but like getting back to what you were saying about if like if you blow up at someone in a situation where you're, you've either got the choice to be like whatever yeah. or you got the choice to blow up like you got to think who that serves and i yeah. think that if you just like indulge in like 
blowing up at someone road rage like i used to fucking carry on yeah. so much in the car and now i try like dude you think everybody goes through that stage for a minute on. yeah and then i'm like the only person that that's or the only thing that serves is my ego yeah. like that makes me feel good you're when i'm like yelling, i would have fucked him up if he wasn't in the, the car yeah yeah you're just like oh if he wasn't in a car I'm driving away from me right now and you're just like that's your ego and then he gets you're out like, and he's a giant it. guy and you're like just kidding Nah. Or, yeah, and it's just like what well, do you know like there's no consequence <laughs> yeah, like, yeah know, that's right like it's so rare that you'd actually have a guy like pull you over so like I think that's why people do blow up in the car and that's like the same as I get like Twitter trolls and shit yeah. oh totally because they're like there's I, no yeah. consequence it's like fucking ego yeah and they just split, spill yeah. their ego out and yeah. then it's like that makes it, them it, feel good if you literally don't like yeah I get it too people people try and talk shit and, and that's one thing social media it has given everybody a voice yeah. to feel important or to have a say or whatever. If you react to that, then people just troll, troll you all day long. I know. It's like if, if I get any kind of like negative reaction to stuff like that, I just literally pass on by. It's funny too. Like I was in the gym the other day, the guys that I train with and there's like two gyms. So I was like, oh, I'm, they're like, are you coming to the seven? Like, are you coming at seven tomorrow? And I was like, nah, I'm going to go to the mermaid one. And all of them collectively were like, oh, fucking, <laughs> they started like giving me shit. And then I like tried to defend myself with like intelligent shit. Like, oh, I've got to work down there. I got to do this. So, I mean, it's just like logistically. And they just kept going. And then as soon as I went, yeah, fuck you guys. Then it just like stopped. Yeah. So I was like, it's because uh, well, otherwise you add fuel to the fire. Yeah, exactly. They just kept having comebacks for me. And I was just going like further and further backwards. And I was like, yeah, fuck you guys. Like, I, just, I don't want to train with you. And then they were just like, whoa. Uh, so well, that's like. Can't say any more yeah. about that, can we? <laughs> but that, that's like the whole Eminem thing, like dissing himself. It's yeah. like, yeah, because then, say then now, you can't bro? say anything more. It's funny talking about ego. Um, reminds me of a conversation I had with um, Chris McDougall. He's probably Australia's, I would consider Australia's best, almost famous base jumper. Yeah. Um, also been a guy that's been a mentor of mine since I started. And when I very first met him, I kind of knew who he was. I'd like, he'd put a book out called Confessions of an Idiot. It's a really classic book of like, Oh really? Yeah. Really classic book of like all time, like, naughty stories of yep. just like being a derelict get like getting involved in all sorts of like carnage um being being a being just a like punk bass jumper when we first met he, um i said hey you know like really interested uh, you know i've been skydiving a while and really interested in getting into bass jumping and trying to like figure out my way into this and he's the first thing he says to me is like oh how old are you and at the time i said oh 31 and he's like oh you'll probably live and I'm like, what? And he's Whoa. like, well, he's like, you'll probably not let your ego make choices for you. And like when you're standing at a cliff edge and there's a bunch of boys and maybe the conditions aren't perfect or this or that, will you have the 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 tenacity to say no to your ego? Like when your ego's like, yeah, all the boys are doing it, I yeah. can do it. Like, And then next minute someone ends up banged up down a cliff and stuff like that. He's like, you know, and I thought about that a lot. Because I thought, yeah, if I'd gotten into the sport when I was like 22, yeah. my ego would have been way too big. I'd be dead for sure. That's I was like, so, so I'm, so I'm actually actually really happy that I didn't find this till later down the line. And now I feel like I make a much more informed decision regardless of what my ego thinks. Yeah. I, don't, I never think I need to do this for a camera or I 
whatever you the reason be. Yeah, yeah, I've got nothing to prove, you know. Yeah. And and I just do it because I love it, and it's something that I love to do. And if I if my instincts tell me something's not right, well, then I'm happy that and I'm happy to take my gear off and walk down or yeah. or not do the jump. You know. When did the like so you you finished the wakeboard thing, and then we can get into some of the other yeah. stuff. But while we're on the base jumping. When did you decide or like when did the skydiving thing happen? Because obviously you can't just be a base jumper. No, like you've well, got to really log some that, time. That's got a story too. So I, I know it does. <laughs> that's why you're here. Everything's got a story, <laughs> eh? I reckon I saw base jumping on TV when I was about 16 years old. In New, in New Zealand, I saw something about an early base jumper. Yep. You know, I don't know. I just saw someone jumping off a cliff and then off a building. And to me, my brain was just like, that is the cool this was before wingsuits even so it was yeah. just strictly base jumping and i was like that is the coolest thing i've ever seen growing up in new zealand we spent a lot of time over the summer times chucking ourselves off off cliffs jumping into like lakes and, and rivers yeah, and stuff yeah. like that and i always loved that stuff we'd See, spend I love all that summer. but i don't have the that, that's the just where it jump, starts yeah, that's I just where it starts like a, a, for me a person that wants to push everything to the next level that was just like cliff jumping that's to like the, the next first. level. That's, that's like, that's like, oh, now we're on the way. There's now like, now you know, there you're is already... a staircase there. <laughs> now it's like, that's just the first one. Yeah. So I saw it when I was about 16 and I was like, I have to do that. And then at 24 years old, I was actually in New Zealand with uh, Rusty Malinowski, Jack Blodgett. We were on a um, J-Star team shoot. We used to ride for J-Star wakeboards. Yep. So we we're on a team shoot there in uh, was that the one in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, that was in a bunch of movies. Yeah, right? yep, yeah, that's I right. remember that. So me, me and the me and the boys had been given a bit of a budget from J Star, and we're down there, and it was kind of like crappy, windy days, and we we're like. Yeah, like let's spend some of this money that we have on other fun stuff. Like we went bungee jumping and we're like, let's go skydiving. And I was, so I was 24, did my first tandem, already knew that I wanted to be a skydiver because I wanted to be a base jumper. Um, and then consequently moved back to, went back to Florida and went and got my license like right away. So I started skydiving in 2006 and then skydived all the way through till 2012 always with the intent to base jump like for me the skydiving was like a, the stepping stone to the real yeah. thing and then as i as i went you know i did i really enjoyed the skydiving but it was always the the intent to be able to go jump in the mountains and go jump and like place like for if you if anybody's ever been anybody knows anything about skydiving it's very it's very regulated and yeah. for good reason because people die if yeah. it, if it's if they're left to their own devices right you know that every every for every rule someone has probably hit the deck and there's like you can't do this or you can't do that and there's reasons yeah, there's for like that. reasons why you yeah, do it exactly right whereas base jumping is like so self-regulating like you either have the skills to do it or you die yeah. so so anyway so I, sp I did spend a lot of time skydiving and then finally i connected up with dugs he put me on to a guy uh, jimmy poucher from apex base and went up to this bridge in idaho which is like a legal base jumping bridge they call it it's called yeah. it the prine or the, or the potato is bridge. that where like you'd see travis and that do it yeah, in nitro yeah, circus yep, and stuff yeah yep, okay yep any 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 like that's probably like the most legally jumped spot in the whole world i'd say what's the process like of like can you just walk up and jump off it yeah like I, if if so you don't there, need to do anything that's the thing like if, if you and i went there i could just give you a rig or you could get a rig from anywhere and you could literally go jump off it yourself how high is that bridge 485 feet i'll see you fucked if you hit the water oh like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. yeah, yeah. yeah so like people not... commit suicide off it people go to that bridge to to end it as it is off the other side so you got base jumpers jumping it in concrete one. yeah oh totally no yeah. doubt no doubt so i started i started base jumping 
as soon as I started base jumping, I actually stopped skydiving. I was like, okay, I'm done with that. Like, really? this is, I'm here. This is where I'm at. This is where I wanted to be. And then I spent, did probably my first couple of hundred base jumps. And then I started to realize, like, if I want to have longevity in this, in this sport and I want to stay alive, that actually I need to do a lot of, a lot of training and probably be better. <laughs> what kind of training? Like? Um, a lot of it is um, to do with, like, flying a parachute to, to, in terms of being able to, like, fly a canopy very well. I'm um, just being like body aware, being, being able to like deal with malfunctions and situations and, yeah. and anything that kind of, cause you think skydiving's got all these, um, procedures put in place to make it safer. You've got two parachutes, you've got what's called an automatic de- activation device that if nothing happens, it will pull your parachute for you. You've got all these margins of error. So it like makes it like exponentially yeah, like safer. Fail safe, fail safe, fail Totally. Safe. Like yeah. for me now, I think about skydiving in terms of like, walking across the road like, yeah right it, to me it doesn't it, it doesn't seem very dangerous but i also now have a bit of experience in it whereas you when someone new comes to it and they like they do things and you're like why would they do that like that's so common sense but common sense isn't that common when you when you don't know what you don't know yeah we yeah. talk about it all the time now that i know things and i'm like still constantly learning so when i did um when i did um retire from wakeboarding I was like, what am I going to do? Well, I already have been skydiving for a while. I love it. I want to be even better as a base jumper. And I certainly don't want to die doing this. So I went and became a tandem master. So yeah. you know, now, now I'm working down at Byron Bay. And the amount of stuff that I've learned in the last couple of years, it's like the more I learn, the more I realize I've got like so much more to learn. Yeah, that's Which crazy. is cool because yeah. I'm, I'm back at the start of the progression. I'm back so, at, But I'm like back at, for the people that have never like done that, <laughs> like what stuff, what you think you know that you kind of don't know, like how detailed does it go? Oh, I, if I started talking technical terms, everybody would be lost right away. But it's just, there's just a lot, of, uh, there's a lot of experienced guys and there's a lot of little things that you can only learn by spending time in there. being around the sport, being in the air, being with guys that have been there, done that, seen some shit, yeah. you know? So what was the first, um, big, like, or I guess, what was the first one? Like the, it's funny people at Perth, more than a few people ask me that the, the first one I was so, so they, these guys, told, Dukes and those guys told me, you know, you got to get a hundred skydives. And then once you've got a hundred skydives, then you can, then you can come to the base, come and learn to base jump. Yeah. It's like, cool. Like the day before, like I did like my 99th skydive at, at, um, Lake Elsinore. Oh, and then we literally- see that place sketches me the fuck <laughs> out, dude. So like, that's like, that's right next to the dirt bike track. Yeah. Yeah. Right and next I would to the dirt see track. so much shit. Carnage. Like just like, whoa, I'm just like, fucking to the hell, deck. Yeah. dude. Yeah. Like people legit hitting the ground, mm. like super hard and shit. Yep. So that's why when you asked me to come skydive, I was like, nah, fuck no. I've seen too. And man, when I was as a kid actually we saw i don't know if like the person died or not but there was a skydive again next to our track where i rode it's funny how skydiving and dirt bike tracks always tend to be like i know they put the two of them together They're out like, of town fuck these idiots they <laughs> 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 just got one convenient spot where the ambulance knows the ambulance can go. can go straight for both of them <laughs> oh, but like we were we were at the track it's actually jackson richardson's track and we're there and you just we like saw it because you'd see him all the time out at edmonton it's like just spinning spinning one day we saw this dude come down and we were like he's fucked for sure like he hit the ground so hard and i can't remember it was like yeah it was like 11 12 years ago i can't remember if the guy died or not yeah 
but I've just seen way too much peripheral shit at the bike track to sky. I was just like, fuck that noise. But yeah. then like, but you, you're you like. What? It's not like, it's not for everyone. Yeah, dude. <laughs> amen to that. But golf's not for everyone either, you mm-hmm. know? Like everyone, everyone's got. Everyone's got their buttons to different, push. Different yeah. passions and motivations for different reasons. But yeah, what was that? Yeah, so that first one, so, you do your 99th so, jump. So I did my did my 99th skydive and then we drove up to Idaho, met the met uh, Jimmy and um, super excited. There's three of us from Aussie here. Because it's been like years in the making. Yes, years. So the first one, I was so amped. I was like, I'm ready. Like, this is good. Do the first one, cool, psyched on it. Do the second one, cool, super psyched on this third one the gravity of just the whole situation kind of starts to like sink in sink in and hit me and just be like whoa dude like you're here and we're base jumping and like you could die very easily doing this if you don't if you make a mistake like because the margin of area is so so much smaller if you if you screw up yeah you are gonna you're it's gonna be game over and so the third one was like terrifying, like like standing there to jump, ter- just like on the edge. And I'm still like committed to, I'm like I've come all this way, I've spent years just to get here, and then I'm like, oh man, but you still, I still got to do it anyways, and I love it, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh. I, I, you know, I've been now that I've been in the sport like six and a half years, and you know, I, I hate to talk about the negative stuff because yeah. there is negative stuff but I, and i do like not like to talk about it because i i love it so much but you know i've had certain friends pass away and you know my parents at times have been like oh you're gonna give this up like yeah. friends and, well, and family now. and yeah and people say that too oh you're married now you're gonna give up and I'm yeah like, no actually i'm like probably deeper than i've ever been in yeah. this sport but i'm also probably more cautious and more, more learned and it. more respectful of, of everything and that's funny because some people a lot of people ask kayla Oh, how do you how do you deal with Jeff jumping? And she's like, Well, I know and understand the process of what's going on, first of all, very intricately. She's like, I've probably seen me jump probably about a hundred base jumps really? all over the world. Yeah. Or she's she's been a getaway driver for bandit jumps at night off buildings. We've been, you know, whether it's downtown San Diego, we've been out to Malaysia together to do the events out there. We've been to go out to Yosemite and, you know, I've flown my wingsuits off El Cap and Half Dome and places that are like super illegal to the point where she knows like what's the what's the legalities of even saying that shit i mean are they going to chase me from a podcast i mean <laughs> I don't know. probably, probably not say. but, you, but i've always say. wondered that i always you know? I, I, I people always ask me oh what have you been up to so like, uh, oh, look, oh. jeff allegedly is doing this <laughs> this this is a semi-fictional podcast <laughs> i uh i have so much amazing footage that i cannot just share anywhere i know like, i remember it's, it's seeing a little some... bit devastating sometimes because there is so much like really badass fun we stuff. need to just make like banksy of space <laughs> jumping you know what i mean <laughs> well we do, well, like like in australia there's a scene in australia and there's a scene in other places and we're and there's you know private forums and we'll, we'll all share like our footage Crazy of shit, our yeah. of our of our latest stuff or whatever like in between us because for us too it's also a way of like learning yeah you know, through whether, a community whether, whether yeah exactly um yeah but as far as the general public goes oh man there's so much stuff you could sell, but then I'd probably go to jail. Yeah, that's so heavy, eh? It's like, I mean, I can definitely see why it's illegal. It's, but a, it's you know like what? it's only it's only really mostly illegal in Australia and America, and only really because of litigation. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And like, 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 I, like we go to these events in Asia, they're like, 
if you die, it's you just it, sign it's away at your own though. risk. Yeah, yeah. It, don't even need to sign a waiver. It's at your own risk. You're here, like who are you going to sue? You can't sue anyone here. You and jumped off a building. <laughs> like, yeah, you like, jumped off a building. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. What are you, you going to sue? That's right. Like your family, family should realize that if you're willing to take a risk to do something, it's the same. Like if I walk into McDonald's and I see the like floor is wet sign and I slip over and break my leg, I shouldn't think that I have the opportunity to sue them. I should have watched where I was freaking walking. Dude, my uncle Glenn and me, we always have this thing called don't, don't pat the tigers. <laughs> and we say it about like, whenever we see like super dumb shit that like, oh. it's like, because there was a, it's called Darwinism, right? Yeah, totally. Like people should be like, if you're dumb enough to do something that kills you, like you're probably that, dumb that, enough to like, you, you kind of deserve that. Like, totally. isn't that's like nature's way of like of weeding out, the idiots, it all totally, out. Let's keep totally. this thing like on the up. And that's, and that's fine by me too. Like I, I understand the risks that I take and I try to um, mitigate, mitigate them, those yeah. as much as possible. It doesn't mean that like I haven't put myself in a situation that, that potentially like could have been harmful. Like I'm, I haven't had it. I touch wood. I haven't personally had any. There's a big this is wood. wood. This is yeah. real wood. <laughs> I haven't had any close calls personally, but I have seen someone hit the deck and I have had other stuff happen. I actually touched a, I actually tried to get on an antenna to jump down near Kalsaba so they have different types of antennas, AM and FM. The FM anten- antennas are fine. They've got little satellites on them. The stuff goes out of the satellite, so it's no big deal. And AM antenna, so they've got the big guide wires off it. The whole thing is a circuit, like a live circuit. Oh. So you got to jump off something onto it without touching the ground. Otherwise, you're going to, like, you basically yeah, ground yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was down in Coss Harbor, and I got a little bit of information. This, this one antenna was jumpable, but not really enough, and I was still, like, early enough on in my career of base jumping that I didn't really I was like I'll be right I've got enough skills I'll be good I feel like that's three words that should never get said <laughs> in base jumping I'll be right yeah, the, this is I I freaking I got onto this thing and I thought I was off the I thought oh I'm off the ground I'm good I'm not going to ground this thing and I actually like was probably I don't know maybe a little bit further away than this and I actually r- was kneeling on my knees on, on this like platform like this metal framing and I just put my hand out. I didn't even touch it, and the and the it arced oh. into my thumb. And if it had gone across my chest, I think it would have killed me. Probably the closest closest I've been to dying in a long time. It went down and fucking blew out of my leg. I got a hole, like I got a scar. Like Fuck off. Blew, for I'll real? show you the scar later. Blew out my leg and blew me. I was already like ten feet up. Blew me off onto my back. I'm already like in my gear, and I don't know how long I was down for but it's like 5am in the morning and I wake up in a field like with the cows everywhere and nobody around and I'm just like I'm just like fully got got fried I stood up walking around like in circles like a headless chicken for a few minutes and then I had to lay down some more I don't know how long for and then I like finally I climbed out I was just like fuck this fuck basing fuck fuck all this I was like in so much pain I'm man down man down and it's like for a month I'm just like I never went to the hospital because I didn't Obviously, think I was dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, not dying. Um, but for a month, I was just like so dehydrated. Really? I was like drinking Powerades, drinking water. Have you I'm looked just like what that's about? I'm just like so thirsty <laughs> for like a month straight. Like I literally feel like I've fried the insides of myself. <laughs> Did you it's Google that bad. shit? No, I didn't. Did you Google that? Really? <laughs> that's a thing. It probably, it probably just is. Just like a, being like di- really thirsty after being electrocuted. I don't know. Like, that's <laughs> a weird Google search, but fuck that'd be cool to figure out. Did you remember thinking that you were going to die? Like the split second of like seeing an arc or Well, nah? I, here's what happened. <clears throat> I put my hand out and I was very cautious about 
not touching the antenna and i remember looking up and sorry <laughs> and as i looked up everything just went white like yeah. kind of i guess what you'd imagine like the end of your life like yeah but i think the white was just actually that electricity, the electricity <laughs> going into my body so i was just like and it made the made the sound like a cartoon like yeah. and then the next minute i wake up on the ground dude so i was like why uh this whole, oh, the hole in my leg started like a tiny little burn like this. And then as days went by, it got bigger and deeper and bigger That's and deeper until like on. a 20 cent piece size. Yes. So now I'm like really scared of like electrical antenna. I'm like, oh, do we have to jump that? I don't want to jump that. Yeah, don't piss like, on the electric yeah, fence. Nah. <laughs> Dude, the, the closest that like my near death experience has been is we were in Alaska and I was in a helicopter and we're like flying over these million year old glaciers so it's like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in my entire life yeah to like oh fuck i'm dead <laughs> and um so we go at least it's gonna be in a beautiful place i guess dude you know the craziest shit is like my body would have just been frozen forever like <laughs> me and my camera we would just be like would never ever ever have melted but like who knows if you could have found me ever you know what i mean like we were ages man like 20 minutes in a helicopter just out into we were in, in the, the north pole into, yeah. like we were legitimately in the north pole over all these glaciers and um in the heli and it was a it was the coldest i've ever been in my life because like you know what it's like when you're filming out the side of the helicopter yeah, yeah. like the doors the wind off. is freezing yeah, yeah and like and you can't wear gloves everything's mm. touch screen so like i had i had to be bare hands and i had like all my snow gear on wet snowboard boots and i'm standing on the skid of yep. the the chopper and we're just doo, 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 doo. and i've got like this the harness, harness on. on yeah so then i'm like i'm filming and just fully zoned in and uh and then the helicopter like you just you hear the sound of it changing as it starts to really bank hard it's like doo, 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 yep. doo, doo. and uh and so i start like swaying and i'm like like the slack i wanted to like i was like fuck i need to grab something so i'm like doo, 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 grab the thing and i look back and my fucking harness is just like flapping in the wind man and it went from the coldest i've ever been in my life to fucking sweating bullets bro like i had to take my goggles off and i put them and i didn't say a word because like i don't know this fucking pilot and that's like the thing that always sketched me out about filming in helipots is like is this this dude's first day or has he been doing it for like a hundred years you just get in they're like all right you fly to you they're always like aren't they always like, like most of those guys that do that stuff they're always like oh vietnam like helicopter vets they're yeah like, I've, had, I've had a couple of them but this dude just kind of looked like a geek and <laughs> awesome. um and just i was just he's I, been playing on on yeah he's like doing his dji fucking app but um so then i'm just like i grab this thing and i see the harness and i just start sweating like my goggles fogged up and i just i unzip my jacket i threw my beanie off like i got so hot it was out of control and then uh, i didn't instantly warm oh no not warm like hot Hot, yeah like i was like i have to get my clothes off hot and um so then i didn't want to say anything i just grabbed there and i was tripping out about my um my boots like it's just slippery and wet and like i'd slipped a bunch of times like and i had to regather my footing yeah and um and then i just didn't want to say anything because i didn't want the heli pilot to be like fuck and like you know grab a stick or then like kind of throw me out so i just like put i had the red which is like 10 kilos yeah and uh so that's not really like a friendly weight to be like (laughs) kind of moving around so i put that down on the floor and then i like climb in man with like death grip and then i just like i click my harness took a couple deep breaths and i looked at my buddy anthony who was behind me and i'm just like fuck like mouthed it to him and he's like 
what's wrong? (laughs) (laughs) You've been having this like life or death moment and he doesn't even realize. And he's like got his camera, he's like taking photos. He's like, what's wrong? And I was just like, don't worry. Don't worry about it. I'll tell you later. And then we land. I nearly died. Yeah, we land and the guy's like, how's the flight, boys? And I was like, oh, my harness wasn't done up, eh? Until like, I don't know, five minutes ago. And the guy just went fucking white as a ghost, eh? And I just walked off and I was like, let's go to the bar, boys. Because they had like <laughs> this big drink. bar out there. Five. And I was just like, Jameson. Oh, it was the scariest thing. I and mean, then I didn't get the... I didn't get the white flash between my eyes thing. I just got like hot, yeah. like burning furnace hot. <laughs> and I just had to like unzip everything. And I was like, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> well, I don't think the white flash was actually- That like, was electricity. That was actually electricity. That wasn't me like seeing the light to heaven or any, any <laughs> like mystical thing. That was just literally like, um, You're I'm getting, getting fried. fried. Yeah. I'm getting fried. Did it, did it come up? Not really. Every, nobody has lived to tell yeah. about it. <laughs> so there's no, there's no information. Oh. I tell you what, that, that 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 was when I first started dating Kayla, and I, I was actually driving down to Sydney, and I, I got down and had dinner with one of her best friends down there, for who lives there, but originally from South Bay area, and um, I told them, oh yeah, like this happened. Were you I, like, were your joints sore and shit? No, nah, I was just like. No, it's so thirsty. <laughs> like I've been so in the Sahara Desert for like months. I was just like parched. So that was your most sketchy moment. So I, yeah, so I, to, I told them, I told them what had happened because I like kind of needed to just tell Damn, someone yeah, just to yeah. like get it off. And I'm like, don't tell Kayla. I'm like, you can't tell Kayla about that one. I'm like, I don't want her to know that. I'm like, that was that was pretty bad. That one. <laughs> How long did it take for her to find out? Or like, did you tell her after that? Probably like a year or so, no like ages, shit. ages. Is she uh, no, I mean it is what it is. Like yeah. at that point, you're alive. Like, yeah, like it is. But let's let's put it this way. Like I'm, um, I got lucky, and I and I was like I was saying to you earlier. I was listening to a podcast of another base jumper, um, and he was talking about his early career in base jumping and how it was just a combination of luck and mistakes that weren't fatal yeah. that got him into the point where he is now where he actually has enough skills and experience to make it like decision that won't kill him yeah you know and, and i think we're probably you you go through that the first first four or five hundred jumps where like to get to 500 jumps is a pretty good yeah. pretty good goal in the first place and to get there without like killing yourself or you know because it's easy you make one mistake and and you're kind of cashed out so it is it is but i for me i like i like the intense focus mm. i like i like i know people talk about yoga and zen and this and that but for me the idea of doing something that we've essentially been told not to do stay away from the cliff don't do this don't do that yeah, like don't pat to, the tiger don't pat the tiger yeah to be able to like kind of poke sticks at the bear but in a in a manner that you can mitigate that is like yeah. just to do something that's so unnatural yeah like most people just think you're batshit crazy but for me once you once you understand the gear and un- understand the the all the different parts and things that go into it it does make it like a really intense focus and then the feeling of just running off a cliff and everything's kind of in fast yeah, forward yeah i just can't i get and like my stomach feels weird the, like hearing it the the second i step off and i'm like running and jumping and it's like if you're watching a video and someone just hit like pause, pause yeah and every sense is like sight smell hearing like is just like so heightened that the only other the only other sport i've ever really gotten that from was say surfing like pipe when it's 10 foot 
And yep. it's just like, but there it's in an amphitheater of, of like people and cameras and you've got this crazy reef at the bottom and you like have to make it or you could be going to hospital and it is kind of terrifying, but in like with an audience, yeah. <laughs> whereas this is, this is more like such a, a more solo thing. But now I really love the going in the mountains with your friends, yep. knowing that the only people the only people that can save you are yourself. There's yeah. no, you're the person with the most skills there and you either have the skills to do what you're doing and be safe and have a good time or you don't and that ends badly. So with that forethought that if things that you need to be there with the right skill set to do that, you know, yeah. like nobody goes and climbs Mount Everest when they've like climbed in their rock climbing gym once you've spent yeah. your like years getting to there. So I feel and it's like a crucible almost. Totally. I feel, I feel the same way with the, with the wingsuit jumping and, and the base jumping is just like, for me, it's taken, it's been, I've been thinking about it since I was 16 Yeah, and I'm 37 now. And now I am like finally getting to a point where I'm just like, st- like I wouldn't say I'm, like comfortable i'm just getting to a point where i like understand that i do have a, the skills to make a decision on whether i have the skills to be there or not yeah. and there's still plenty of stuff like i was just talking to some of the boys out on the west coast i'm just about to go out to the margaret river um, yeah, surf yep. event and i was talking to a couple of boys out there hey is there any is there any stuff big stuff to wingsuit off out there and they're like oh there's this one spot but you know, it's got a, it's got what we would consider a short start. it's got like a five second rock drop so it's like you got to get going quickly and, and i already know like that's out of my league. Yeah. Like at this point in time, like I couldn't safely walk up there and be like, I back, my, I back this, myself yeah. to make this a hundred percent. And if, if that's my thought process, well then I'm out of my league and that's fine. And that's fine by me. Again, we go back to ego. Yeah. You know, maybe before it would have been like, yeah, I'm good. I got this. I got this, but I got this is never, oh, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> hold my beer, bro. It's never, it's Watch never, this shit. <laughs> it's always going to end up on like cook slams or fame fail memes or whatever, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny that, um, yeah, it's almost like, like I say the same thing about people that, um, like me and Harry Bink said this, like you'll never see Travis was trying to post an inspirational quote on Instagram. Yeah. Cause it's like, who are you trying to prove? Like by posting it, are yeah. you trying to prove it to yourself that you've like got enlightenment or are you trying to prove it to the world? Yeah. And I think a lot of times people are just trying to prove things to themselves. Yes. So like you getting up on that, um, on that cliff and then potentially doing a jump that you know you can't do, but you're just so desperate to prove it to yourself. And you've, I've guessed you like kind of wrap your self-worth in that thing. Totally. So it's like, oh, base <laughs> jumping defines me. And if I'm not X, Y, Z good at base jumping, and if I yep. haven't performed X, Y, Z jumps, then your self-worth is attached to that. So it's either you're, you've completed it or you haven't. Yeah. And then it's like, when you have that relationship, that's when it's dangerous. My, but- my very first wingsuit base jump was exactly like that. To be honest. Um, I was just like, I so like when I first saw base jumping, it was just base jumping. It wasn't wasn't even a wingsuit. And then wingsuiting came along and that just even more. I was like, Oh my God, you can now you can not just fall. You can actually fly Fly. like a bird. Like every single person on this world has had flying dreams at some stage in their life. Like you can't not have a dream about flying. And so when that came along, I was like, Oh my gosh, I that's, that's the next level. Excuse me. And, um, I'd like started flying a wingsuit and done a bunch of wingsuit jumps out of a, out of a skydive plane as you would in yeah, the training exactly. and, and in, a, in what we would consider like a small wingsuit, like a beginner wingsuit. And I had my whole goal at that year was like, I want a wingsuit base jump. I want a wingsuit base jump. And then I 
took my there used to be a, an antenna down near melbourne that was the tallest structure in australia they used to call it omega it was a 1400 foot antenna Whoa. so i drove my truck down by myself no mentor no nothing drove down there with the like sole antenna of like i'm gonna wingsuit base jump i've got enough skills i'm good got up there perfect day perfect everything did the jump like super terrified yeah which right. is like why why would i be there and be that gripped because i didn't i was that gripped because i didn't have the skills to be there essentially i did the jump everything went perfect everything went as i had planned but what i did realize was that if things didn't go quite to plan that i didn't have the skills to back myself to get out of that situation yeah. so I, I then actually spent a, probably in the next year and a half i was like no more of that back to really? the back to the drawing board like my ego took a big hit and it was like good for me to step back and be like nah dude that's not how that's gonna run like <laughs> i like i want to like stay alive and i want to keep doing it. this is fun i want to yeah. keep doing it um and so i just went straight back went to the drawing board like it just accessed so much information and did so much more training and then went back to somewhere that was a much larger jump a much safer more situation room more room yeah more margin and then and then spent the next few years getting the the necessary skills to 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 move to where i'm at now that's you know? so fucking heavy that you i've got like, that, pulled the, the trigger on that the footage is pretty cool i bet it i is. mean the mustache that I was running at the time was amazing anyways. <laughs> Did you have like one of the, like the cameras like, like pointed yeah, back at your face? The full, like, I remember seeing like, the, mustache, the, yeah. uh, the, the mustache. It's like disgusting, but... So that you're like, you think your identity was kind of wrapped into pulling that, that jump off? At that point in time, I was, I was like, okay, I'm just retiring from wakeboarding and, um, you know, I'm... I'm a base jumper now. Like this is something that I do and there's something that I want to be really good at. And, you know, a lot of people are thinking like, then like wingsuit base jumping is badass. And I think it's badass. And I, and I was like, it's something that I want to do. And I'm like ready and prepared, but I wasn't ready and prepared. You're like and it, telling yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like psyching yourself up and that's cool. Like if you're wakeboarding or you're surfing, you're doing something when you can maybe get yourself out of into a bit of like a deeper situation, you probably, maybe you're going to break a leg or you, yeah. you're not going to die. But this is like the consequences. The are consequences just so are, final. are like, a, a, yeah, they are. They're very final. Like and this is the last fuck up you'll ever make. <laughs> yeah. And you'll have two seconds to realize it and then it'll be over. Did that so like to get a little bit deep on you? Was that like a a def, like a defining point of your life in a way? Well, like could, did it almost was it was it bigger than the whole base jumping thing? Because it's like you retire from wakeboarding and then you it's like was there like this void that you needed to fill? And I guess because people look up to you, you were one of the best wakeboarders in the world, and then it's like that stops. Yeah, the industry is kind of on its way out anyway. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, was there a bit of an identity crisis going on at that point? A and little, did that make you rethink it? A little bit for sure. I, I'm i sure, a lot, like, a, and I hear a little bit more talk these days about like what it's like for guys to go from being in the spotlight and being on the top of a sport to then um, retiring and then trying to find their feet in, in a different sort of a world. And for me, yeah, it was I was definitely, as I was stepping out of wakeboarding and I, you know, like, in your 20s and like in your teens and in your 20s you do wrap like everything that you do you're like everything is wrapped in the thing that you do and in the yeah. fact that you're good at that thing and people like you for that and for it that starts thing to get, yeah. versus just being a human and being a personable person and being like 
people like you because like or are you Jeff not Jeff Weatherall yeah yeah that's exactly right so it did take me it has taken me a lot like a good few years to try and really figure out like where I'm at and getting like re-comfortable in my skin and 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 I also thought like you go from like one day you're the world like two-time world champion you're this you're that you get all these gigs and then next minute you're like Harley comes along yeah. and he kicks your ass a whole bunch of times and he's like not even and he's si- eight and he <laughs> doesn't and even like, have pubes and, he, <laughs> and he's tiny and he's the next best thing and you suddenly you know like from 27 years old people were starting to ask me oh when are you going to retire I'm like why would I retire I'm getting paid I'm traveling the world like even if I don't make because that's even, probably about when we met right yeah it was yeah, kind of around ex- that's then, exactly eh? right yeah. and, and I mean I stretched it out to 34 so I feel like it did really good like, yeah. I like milked it yeah. like for every last drop of wakeboarding and even, even even then so even then you know last year I got to do some like advertising wakeboarding stuff for like a Samsung gig and I've had a few other like wakeboarding things that have kind of come my way which is kind of cool to still be able to yeah. to be able to get those things but yeah predominantly it was um it's hard to let go of that identity of that like self-worth that you've wrapped yourself in um and then to try and refigure out okay where where is my standing in the world now and where yeah. where am i going and what am i doing and and trying to reevaluate that stuff as well well dude i remember like even you know like i was living in the states and i had when i had my visa i was just there right yeah and then you'd be at every supercross race and every motocross race mm. and every week you're putting out these videos that all these people are watching and on a similar sort of thing it's like uh you stop making videos or you go back and you start going back and forth and it's like people literally just forget about the you thing feel like you're you, yeah, irrelevant yeah you're just like <laughs> what like, the oh. fuck everyone was my friend a while ago you <laughs> yeah, know what i mean yeah. and it's funny that you yeah you sort of do start to you question yourself like oh is that my only good because of this or like did these people even like me at all or you know yeah. like it, it does it, it is a weird thing and i imagine that when you're yeah like a two-time world champion at something then it's like it's it's then funny. you go away it's that'd be magnified so much more totally and and uh, you know like I've, I've definitely like heard and seen of you know different like say rugby and other sports players that had you know battle with depression and stuff like that i wouldn't say like i would bat i wouldn't say battle would be any kind of way it was just more trying to refine my feet yeah where, where's my place now and where do i move from here um and i always wondered okay i've been at the top of the world wakeboarding am i ever going to find a thing that gives me as much joy per se am i ever going to find a job that you know i did some did some jobs for my parents and like project manager and for different things and bits and pieces here and there as i went through that transition period and um i was just like doing jobs that like nobody gave a shit about yeah like like nobody like doesn't matter whether you, they just expect you to do your job doesn't matter whether it's good or bad it's just expected to be done mm. and i'm like why would I like, I'm just doing a job for money and I don't even care about the money. Yeah. Like the money is just like a, you know, a means to an end. <clears throat> and then when I got, and then when I started, started back and started at the, in the skydiver industry, I started back at the bottom. Like I, mm. like I had to spend a year, like on my hands and knees, like packing parachutes. And that's like the bitch job, you yeah. know? And it's the hard, ego. And, and I'm, oh, big ego, like yeah. hit, you know, like I go from being like world champ, and 
And like again, it's that relativity <laughs> thing to like to some wakeboard grommies. You're Jeff Wetherill, mm. and to these like fucking G uh, skydive dudes, you're just a dude folding their parachute. Yeah, that's you know exactly I mean? it's like right. It's such a like shifting scale, <laughs> and exactly then it's right. like it's only other people's perception of you that you yeah. kind of buy into a little bit. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and, but then you know what? I, like my whole goal was like I'm going to be a tandem master, and I'm going to do this because I love base jumping, and I want to better my skills and it's something that i could think that i could do um as a job that would be okay that would be better than yeah fulfilling it would be some somewhat fulfilling and then i pushed through and did all my ratings and stuff and i tell you what i freaking love my job now like i like i never thought for a second there or for a few years i never thought i'd find something that would give me as much joy as what wakeboarding did being able to like wakeboarding for me the the cool the coolest part was getting to travel and meet people that were psyched like, yeah. like so pumped on wakeboarding one pumped on the writing that you're doing pumped on getting to meet you getting an autograph whatever and then i i, I was like am i ever going to feel anything like that again and then now i meet someone they're excited and terrified at the same time at yeah. the same time and i'm going to take them on an experience that they are never going to forget like yeah. i tell lots of people like that you might forget my name today but you're never going to forget today like yeah. your first time you jump out of a plane and i'm like going to be the guy that gets you through that experience and i can make that experience like i cater that experience for everyone differently depending on their personality and i feel like i feel like wakeboarding has in a way like prepared me for this job now yeah. like in in terms of being able to like read personalities and how to be like super personable with someone it's funny you know if i get someone that's super terrified and i can make it you know i put my soft yoga voice on and i make it super yeah. nice and, and try and make that that process really easy for them and once they do it they like overcome this huge fear because yeah. for me it's not terrifying in any sense of the word yes yeah, so um, routine i now. could literally do it blindfolded yeah but it's really fun because everyone's experience is different yeah um and then you get the big tough guys that come in that are like oh super tough yeah we're going for a skydive we're so badass they've got their all their tattoos and and whatever and i'm like oh i'm gonna take you for a ride that you are never gonna forget <laughs> like you think you're tough i'm gonna make you cry like i'm the girl i'm the captain now yeah <laughs> so, uh, make sure the seatbelt's strapped up nice and tight it's gonna be a bumpy ride <laughs> that's fucking amazing it's cool the best the best is you get that big tough guy with his girlfriend and they're, and they're there and you know and like, she's way harder you're in the plane you are you're in the plane and the, the girl always the girls girls always trust girls trust oh i'm with a professional yeah like i i, I relinquish control i'm gonna just do yeah. what they tell me we're gonna do it we're gonna have a good time and they have a good time and guys are like they can't relinquish that control and they have a terrible time <laughs> they're like dude that's a that's a legit thing like i think mm, that's like no a doubt. part of it with me it, like there's a full ego th- ego thing right there yeah well i'm i definitely like i hate being doubled on a motorcycle because it's like oh that's terrifying for me too yeah so i'm like motherfucker i can ride i'll ride the motorcycle (laughs) but then i'll be like hey ricky get on the back of the motorcycle like i know what i'm doing yeah but it's like there's that part of like i don't know i wonder if that's more i don't know if that's as much ego as just being a dude and being used to a role of like being in control yeah trying to be Mm. like that dominant alpha male kind of thing and i wouldn't say i'm like a fucking alpha male (laughs) but there is a certain like especially even with rig like i'm like no i'll drive 
You know what I mean? Like you just kind of be like, you just, you have that role. That's that's the thing that you do. Yeah. And then when you go with someone to go skydiving, I'll be like, fuck. I'd honestly rather just do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Just be like, nah, just fucking, just give it to me by myself. Fuck you, Jeff. I love you, but I'm not doing it. Give it here. I'll do it. I love it. I've like, like, since I've done it, I've actually had a lot of friends say, I never, ever wanted to skydive. I never would do it. But, because I know you yeah and they like let me take them through that experience and we've had like a really awesome time Scotty Broom came out I took him for a jump like I've taken a bunch of really awesome friends out for jumps and they're just like because I can tailor it to to them because we know each other yeah and I tell you what, like I mean, I strap like hundreds of people to the front of me a week, so my like my idea of personal space, like I don't like yeah. I can be strapped to the back of you, and I'm like not, I am doesn't weird me out in any yeah, way, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're tight, like we're, we're slept in close yeah, quarters. Yeah, that is correct, <laughs> dude. I want to. I remember like the when Harley was coming up because that was like. I wonder if that comp where we met was Harley's first time as a pro, or if he, I think he was still a junior. No, then. no, he was a pro then. Was he a pro? He then? was a pro then. He was, he was, he was right on the cusp. So there was that contest, and there was another a pro Australian pro wakeboard tour contest, and Mawela, um, that he had been coming up, and he was. We could see that he had the skill, but he didn't have the mental um, yeah. game to put it together. Like I remember standing on a dock at, at Mawela, and I got him, and I was like, "This kid could literally smoke me right now." except that I'm going to like fuck, fuck with, with it was yeah. hit. like, I'm going to make him shake in his boots before we even get going. Yeah. And he's not going to be able to hold it together. And then, and he didn't. Yeah. And then that, that contest that we went to also was, he was like getting close. And then one day something clicks in riders and they're like, fuck you. Nah, fuck yeah. you. They're like, I'm going to smoke you. And as soon as they get that mental game, it's over, you're out. All game. Like I remember, I remember once Harley started getting on a roll and I'm like, yeah, I said to Dean Smith, I'm like, I'm going to tap out pretty soon here. Like I can <laughs> see that we're like, we're never going to win another contest again. And he's like, he's like going to keep on going for a few more years, you know? And I'm like, enjoy second and third. Cause you're probably never going to win again. <laughs> Unless Full, Harley's like, it's, it's like you see it and you're like, I'm like, I don't know if I'd have the, the drive and the motivation to go out and bash myself enough yeah. to try and beat him all the time it's like a lot of lot of training and a lot of like and like man you hang out with harley like even when we first well when rick first started hanging out with him it's like he's not a fucking savage like he's <laughs> just like and like he's one of my best friends ever but like he's like hugging you all the time and just like oh, come watch a movie like he just yeah. wants to hang out he's just like the nicest like sweetest dude you'll ever meet in your life like and he's you know when you're saying like you get those people that like really genuinely care about you yeah like dude harley will be like i'll be like oh no nah, i can't come over i'm sick and he'll be like oh you okay man like have you been to yeah. the doctor like maddie hurt his ankle and he's like he's like oh i'll take you to the doctor like do you want me to call somebody like and that's yeah. like genuinely he's that nice yeah. of a guy yeah, totally and it's like to be a savage in the way that he's a savage and just like perfect hundred perfect hundred like but it's just that's just his writing doing the talking he doesn't need to doesn't need to have any ego or spit or speak but even to that, com- cool. like the commitment to do the tricks that he's doing yeah like that's you've got to be a like a psycho in a way you know what he, i mean but he like, has, you got to think too he has been um, it's so programmed being groomed and tra- and to where he is today has been a long time coming and we've yeah. all seen it for a long time you know like 
Bill and his parents and the sponsors and stuff have put a lot of time and effort into helping him get to where he is. And it's been a big, like, big, like, network. Like a machine a behind big, him, yeah. Yeah, you know. So, and we, I, seen, I saw it coming for years, I knew. And then he's finally coming into his own, you know. And he's, and he's perfect for marketing. Like, oh, he's yeah. nice. Like, he's a nice person that you can put in front. He can actually talk to someone without yeah. being a total retard. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not out of control in any way, shape, or form. And then he's like, he's like the, I don't know, like the Bieber of wakeboarding. He kind of like, is, man. He's good looking. The girl, like, I mean, the fact that that Liquid Force put a, a pro model of his out in like a girl's colors and it outsold all of the girls' models across the board of companies, like... Like girls lost their jobs over that because really? like because like Harley's like limited edition model like was out, pink. out was pink and out just outsold every girl's model together and the companies are just like well we don't need you guys like oh, so see you gnarly, later eh? like I mean yeah it's such a like the wakeboard industry is just such like niche it couldn't be any more niche you yeah. know what i mean it's just like unless you're in the base jump industry now <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's funny because i feel like more people know about base jumping though than wakeboarding the problem true. the reason why your industry is so niche is because people are too scared to do it yeah, and, yeah, yeah. or people die doing it but when people, they suck people do love to watch it dude like, I, every like you name a person that doesn't know a base jumping yeah is. true but like everybody's be, like the squirrel suit the squirrel suit yeah I love the squirrel suit. That shit's awesome. What? How hard is that? Is um, that like a totally different animal altogether? It is. It is. A compl- it's like you learn to base jump by yourself and there's so much involved in that. And then there's like putting a wingsuit on as well. It's like, I mean, you're basically putting like so like in, in our circles, you know, like we joke between us like uh, you know like you're basically wearing a body bag or this like sleeping bag of death <laughs> like, uh, like this there's like funny like black death jokes that like kind of go on but it's like your your arms and legs are now not free to use because you're inside what essentially is a like sleeping bag <laughs> you're like zipped up you're, so you're like in a straight jacket with a parachute on the back that you have to still reach and deploy how did, so how does the process work of deploying the so it's still like um is it the same so you can still like grab your so you have what's called a pilot chute which is a little baby parachute yeah. and you and you put that out and it catches wind and it pulls two pins and then the the um the container opens up and the parachute comes out so that is the same um but instead of falling on a vertical sense you're actually flying in a horizontal sense uh. um and you have to slow down so you can, these wingsuits that we have now you can actually you can speed up and you can actually create an arc where you can actually go up so you actually like, like gain elevation, gain el- elevation and as you slow up at the top of that then you put that the parachute out so it doesn't come out too too hard you know otherwise it's like having a car accident you're like Fuck that. you're like i'm already short now i'm gonna be an inch shorter like from just like hard openings like <laughs> so what uh what speed are you hitting in those bad boys um you can you can fly anywhere as slow as like 60 miles an hour oh kind of like super slow. slow but that's oh, pretty slow i mean a guy landed one in a set of boxes and a what? And a set of like he, he, this guy, uh, this guy landed a wingsuit, no parachute. Put it like you know, like stunt boxes that you oh, jump into. Yeah. Put a whole field of boxes out and came in and slowed right down, then just into the boxes. That's heavy. That's super heavy. How <laughs> many people wingsuit in the world? Would you reckon? Oh, I don't know. Like regularly wingsuit. As in, as in wingsuit in a skydive scenario or wingsuit no, like base base, base wingsuit. Fuck, there can't be more than a thousand. 
can't be more than a thousand. That's guys. a pretty crazy low number when you consider the Earth's population. Yeah, when you consider like yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> there's exactly. like seven billion people and a thousand of under a thousand <laughs> wingsuit. But I mean, it's like it's gained massive popularity. And it's like yeah. it's like really revamped. Like skydiving goes through like every sport goes yeah. through like peaks, peaks and plateaus. Like one of the biggest peaks that skydiving had in terms of new people wanting to learn to skydive will was from I shit you not from the movie Point Break. No shit. Everybody watched Point Break and was like, that's so fucking badass. Really? And all of a sudden, all these new people wanted like, and it like boosted numbers for a while. And then, and then the wingsuits came along. People were like, oh my God, I have to do that. Like, even, if, even if you just wingsuit skydive and never wingsuit base jump, like wingsuit skydiving is amazing yeah. and it's fun and it's yeah, obviously much less dangerous because you're in a skydiving scenario, not a base jumping scenario, but it's pretty, it's pretty cool that people can now like essentially learn to fly like a bird around the around the sky yeah like, it's like it i have dream i i have dreams all the time like literally i dream all the time of wingsuit base jumping but like, because you i guess you know the feeling too yeah you know but what I the mean? same feeling that the the feeling that you would get in bed in a dream of flying is the exact same feeling that you yeah get. right so exactly like identical i don't Excuse really me remembered i feel like i don't dream that much now though i don't know why i dream so much yeah like see I, I used to eh? i always find the only time i don't the only time i don't dream is if i'm like having a shit time in my life yeah and then i just like kind of sleep dead but like, like if there's lots of stuff going on but for the most part i like have really lucid dreams like kayla kayla is the same my wife she's like really we both dream a lot quite often we'll wake up in the morning and we're both like the first thing we'll be like what'd you dream about no shit like what like what what went on or i'll be like wake up and i'll be like super excited like oh my god you never believe like i actually go to places in my dreams sometimes that my brain has made up that's part real place and yeah yeah part real place that wasn't quite perfect but if it had these things that it would be perfect yeah so then my brain just makes it up to be like the perfect place like oh there's this mountain and there's this spot that is so perfect like to jump from and then oh, and then yeah, now yeah. i go back there in my dream i don't purposely mean to but i'll wake up and i'll be like i went to that place that that i went that i've been to before and, and did some jumps or whatever and there was like different parts of the dream or a dream of surfing and or like whatever's going on in my brain sometimes i just watch something before bed and then that'll throw you kind of into and that and then space. that'll throw me into that space yeah, yeah. dude i i kind of almost have the opposite I thing have another one of those yeah i might go have another beer too <laughs> we should drink them before they get cold yeah true <laughs> yeah dog thank you yeah, um, grab that thanks mate cheers rick um i almost have like the opposite thing so when i was a kid and in school i had like full-blown insomnia yeah so i just fuck you couldn't just couldn't sleep like bad like one hour a night for 10 years and i was just like it was parents feeding you too much ritalin no it was just like (laughs) i think there was a stage of that but it didn't last long (laughs) but there was just this i hated school so much that I just got, I just was freaked. Just like, wigged out. It just out. fucked me. Like yeah. I, I fully hated going there. Huh. So bad. And like, man, you asked my mum. Like my mum said that about year ten, I figured it out. Yeah. And I was just like, whatever. I got a couple more years, and all of a sudden you finally like, okay, well, we've come this far. Yeah, dude, for <laughs> real though. Like it was just every everything about it. Like every single thing about school, like 
fucked with me. Did you get picked on or? Yeah, got, got picked on, was like hated teachers, got super bored in class. Like I used to do, I read The Hobbit in grade two. Like literally <laughs> there's other kids that could, like, I think it was grade three. Yeah. There was kids that couldn't even read and I was reading The Hobbit. And I got to the point in school where um, the teachers would just be like, just sit in the back and read. And then I was like it's the just weird easy kid. To deal yeah, with yeah, you. because the dude, I argued the Bible with the the because I went to a Catholic school and I fucking argued the Bible with this dude. <laughs> this is why we're friends. Yeah. Dude, this is I swear <laughs> to God, this is uh, like this is exactly what happened. Like it was maybe grade six. So we're making like dinosaur fossils, right? So like you know, I in, feel like I can see where this maybe is even yeah, going. You know where this is going. So we're like, and you know when it's like the when you're in primary school it's all the same teacher mm. so like we had all the same teacher and then we went to um saint joseph's in cairns and yep. it was a obviously a catholic school and then we had a priest so then brother matthew or whatever his name was so then um, wasn't, wasn't george pell <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> um but so then anyway we're doing this like massive uh paper mache fossil deal right yeah so i'm like hyped on these fossils like pumped i was i was full-blown nerd and um, so, yeah, doing the fossil thing. And then we just got our grades back for these fossils. And I was like, this is such and such fossil. And then I was making like these bones and then just went down the dinosaur rabbit hole. Like I got all the dinosaur books in the <laughs> library. this was pre-internet too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd have to, I like went to the library and was like getting all this shit from the library. And um, and anyway, so right after I get my, get my like A or whatever for the fossil that I created, my write up on like, I was like super into Velociraptors, Jurassic Park gen. <laughs> of course. And um, so then like the guy comes in, the priest comes in and he wants to read the book of Genesis. And then I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. All right. Day one is light. Day two is this. Day three. And then Sunday he chills. Yeah. And I was like, where's the dinosaurs? And like was full. Like I wasn't, I didn't know how to be a dick at grade, grade six. Yeah, like I was yeah, just it, was a, it was a legitimate kid. question. Yeah. And then so the he's like, oh, dinosaurs are just a theory. And I just, my neck snapped at my teacher and I just like stared this chick down. Eh? And I was just like, theory, huh? I've just fucking spent weeks on this shit. <laughs> weeks. And this is a theory. And mum mum worked like two minutes away so from good. the thing, right? And so <laughs> Sister Faye, God bless her soul. She was the headmistress of the um, of the school. And I love her to this day. Like nicest lady ever. Every like, Well, not every time, but there's the last few times I've been in Cairns. Like I'll see her and yeah. say what up. And um and yeah, so she had mum's number like on, on, on her desk, dial. yeah. And um, and she's like, oh, Liz, you need to get down here. And then mum's like, fuck, what's he done now? And like, I was, this is the kid that like, I got broke my arm playing football, had it in a cast for six weeks, went back to school at lunch, played football, broke my arm again. <laughs> like, this is the level of shit that like school, it was just one thing after another. And then like, so mum walks in, mom. dude, mum like storms into the classroom. She's like, Jason, shut up. <laughs> when I'm like yelling at the priest. She's like, I was like, I was like, well, someone's fucking lying. I was like, it's either you know the truth. or it's you. And I'm Someone like, needs to fess up yeah, here. Fess up. It can't be both of you. You can't both be right. Uh, so then anyway i ended up getting kicked out of that school but um it's so good but like dude so yeah i just had like i just had mad insomnia like like i just couldn't so i'd go to bed and i'd read for like hours and hours and then i'd end up being so tired from reading i'd just like pass out 
didn't want to wake up in the mornings it was super shitty because i wasn't sleeping didn't want to go to school the cycle repeated yeah and um but i'd when i did sleep for like those couple hours i'd have like crazy lucid dreams to where i didn't feel like i was even asleep which is yeah. like i guess that's what lucid dreaming is mm. like you feel like you're awake yeah so then i just had this cycle of like no sleep lucid dreams no sleep lucid <laughs> so dreams like so i just felt like i was never sleeping and uh, which probably sounds why i'm so fucking weird now but, <laughs> but then like i dude, certainly don't think you're like the weirdest person that i've met by a long shot but thanks you have to try a lot harder <laughs> but then again I, I do like weird yeah we i think we connect on that. <laughs> but then dude i stopped going to school bang out like a light and I just barely dream now. But huh. I, I had like, I was having like crazy night terrors to where it was like, a, um, I don't want like I've never done psychedelics, yeah. but I'd imagine that what I was going through would be like a bad trip Yeah. to where it was like that full paralysis. And yeah. like, cause I even get like, even now, um, like it's probably happened a couple of times in like the last few years where I've got like, I get like a, like a sound like a sound will like trigger the feelings that I'd get through like through those night terrors and yeah, shit. Yeah, no way. Yeah, it's full on. And so Travis is coming on and I know Travis had like bad night terrors. The first time I, first time I went and stayed at Travis's house up in Maryland in 2006, um, I was up there with Andy Bell and Renner and freaking Cowboy Kenny. All the old school. Dude, old school. I love Cowboy Kenny. Oh he is God, one of the best he's dudes awesome, ever. He's awesome, eh? He's doing stunt shit now. Really? Yeah. I, I haven't seen or heard of him for years. I saw him like six months ago yeah and i was yeah he's a nice so i went and did i went and did some stuff on one of the original nitro circus yeah i remember one of the very first ones when ogo had like the jumps right yeah Yeah. you were like actually catch me at the front of at the start of one of um travis's videos running down the street naked and i got like long curly ass hair just in a pair of runners (laughs) we did the did they wanted to do this take like 15 times it's maryland i was freezing i'm just standing standing it was was cold was it it was cold yeah Yeah, it was freezing cold cold. it's freezing cold (laughs) but yeah actually kayla was when kayla and i first met because you met like way before you got like together right yeah yeah we met in 2005 that's crazy so we met she actually had that video on dvd like back and back then she had it on dvd and we met and then later on she was like made the connection she's like wait that's jeff running down the road (laughs) that's hilarious but um when i first went there um andy bell goes to me hey um if you hear any screaming during the middle of the night like it's just travis has night terrors so just don't worry about it like he's good he just like relives some shitty stuff in his dreams that we don't we don't know like yeah so just like don't get up and call a freaking ambulance or anything. Yeah, like, right. It's all good. I was like, okay, cool. I was like, I never had dealt with that or anything before. And now he was fine while I was there, so I don't know. Well, when, that's what he's coming on next mm. week. And I'll like really, I've never spoke to him about it, mm. but I really want to know because I've never really met anyone that, and like, I know there's different kind of night terrors to where you have like black nightmares. And like, mm. I think everybody has nightmares, but there was, there was something different to where it was literally like you take like a really bad acid trip or something yeah. like and that's why like i've been scared to do any of that kind of stuff because yep. like there's just this crazy feeling of like paralysis that comes with it yeah and you j- it's like you can't even move an eyelid but it's like it, you just you feel it and I, I remember nights man like i'd get up walk into my parents room and it felt like walking in like just getting out of bed 
was physically impossible. And yeah. like, I'd have these dreams and You're like, like stuck. Oh dude. So gnarly. And then I, I remember one night going into the room and I was like, I was young and I was like crying and I just got in the fetal position and just laid next to mum and dad's bed. And they're like, you know, I was like, just leave me alone. Like full on freaking out. <laughs> that must've been pretty crazy. Dude, for them, gnarly. Hey? And especially like when you're a kid, you, like I'd never knew like, and then especially when you, you think like, well, what's wrong with me? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but it's just like sleep. Like we just don't fucking know. Yeah. Cause like who said it? It was like Gandhi or someone like that. One of those OG dudes. Yeah. But they said that like you, every night you die and get reborn. Yeah. Cause essentially like, where the fuck do you go? And like, what's to say that your dreams, like that feeling, like you're saying, like the feeling of you flying is the same as when you're actually flying. I wonder, I wonder too, like I always really curious about dreams. I like wonder, like, I feel like sometimes I can control them, but my, my dreams for for the most part are really um, positive. And I just wonder whether they're that way because of, because I'm, probably mostly positive in my outlook on life anyways so i feel like my dreams are pretty much that way but i i definitely in the past have had some like terrifying dreams and they're so real at the time they're so real so it's hard to say what triggers those yeah those things but i do dream almost every night yeah see that's what so i guess that's what i was kind of getting at with that long ass story is that um (laughs) now i I don't know whether it's just a thing where i like block out my dreams or but like dude i'm telling you let's go skydiving and see what happens dude maybe that maybe that needs to happen (laughs) but like i left school started working out and now like i'm a log like i and it's super rare for me not to not to fall asleep within like three minutes of being on the pillow and then i just wake up and that space is gone yeah so i went from not sleeping and then when i did sleep have these crazy lucid dreams to then just like and i remember thinking was like holy fuck (laughs) like i've figured it out and i just had (laughs) and i just i literally remember waking up one day going like whoa you just went to sleep that's how like that's how gnarly it was back in the day so (laughs) i'm actually i'm super interested to talk to travis about yeah to be something because i've never done like the I've never done this kicking and screaming and yelling and stuff because I just get like frozen. Yeah. And it's just like full on like frozen in fear. Yeah. But I've had times where I've like woken up standing up and like, dude, I used I'm, to sleepwalk all the time when I was young. That's all the it's time. so weird. eh? All the time. Like I used to, I mean, obviously I had dreams and I used to sleepwalk all the time, like all over the house. Like my dad would find me like outside sitting in our boat. Like I'd wake, like wake up in the boat or I'd been on, um, been like, I went on a hiking trip once when I was probably like 10 or 11 years old and we hike, we did this like three day hike through the forest with about 10 or 12 people. And this was like in the time when we like had a tent that didn't even have a floor sewn into it. Like you'd put a like tarp, oh, down, a tarp down and then you just put the, the tent pegs around the side. Yeah. And we, we're like deep in the bush and this like, we're staying next to this kind of swollen river. I remember saying to my dad, man make sure if i get up to go anywhere at night like make sure i would like awake or make sure you're with me or something like yeah. I'm, i was like super worried about it myself went to sleep um and then my i guess my dad woke up to me like trying to get out of the tent like saying oh yeah i'm just gonna pee and he's like yeah no you're coming back yeah, yeah. or he, i think he maybe got up with me or something and then went back to sleep and then i actually in the early hours of the morning had pull, pulled up the side of the tent and actually creeped out underneath and i like woke up in the morning with the sun rising and i was like sitting on the edge of the swollen river like don't know how i, I was like terrified that it's i was going to get washed away and i that's it i like woke up where i was like exactly where i didn't want to be 
I was like, how did I get here? Like, <laughs> dude, you know what's crazy? We used to do tons of um, like trips into the like north, like the like Cape York, mm. like far, far, far north. Like you'd only be eating what you you'd catch what you fish. Brought, in yeah, yeah. No, like we, you'd run out of what you ta- like bought, and yep. you just you'd have to like eat fish. Yep. And um and you'd have clean water and stuff like that. But yeah, just like no, we we got more water than food, and you'd yep. eat your fish. And um and I'd sleep so good. And I used to love going away. I think it's because you're out in the fresh air. Oh, yeah. That's what I reckon it is. Yeah, you're well, there's the something. Air, and like no school. Out, yeah. no, no school, school. no like it was yeah. full on. But you know what's crazy is I just went to Derby in Tasmania to mountain bike. Yeah. And every time I go to Derby, dude, I don't sleep. Really? Yeah. Like, just the thing with that place. Yeah, just <laughs> a, this weird thing. And um, it was funny because, yeah, my Uncle Glenn, I was with him and, um, and he's like, like oh yeah but he didn't sleep and then one of the other boys was like man i can never sleep when i'm in derby huh so i was like we and me and my mom are the same i'm gonna sound like a fucking kook um <laughs> but like when it's a full moon we both have a thing where like we get up and i'm like oh fucking full moon I've i couldn't fr- sleep i've got a friend of the states i got a friend of the states same thing full and moon it, it full moon thing it's hilarious because quite like we've just had this full moon obviously, yeah right? dude exactly you know i love full moons mm. big surf high tides perfect for base jumping like the last the last week we did a bunch of base jumps down in victoria like during and the full moon like i love it like at night owl can see everything everything's yeah. good and i'll like i'll like i'll like every now and again i'll like message i'll be like how's the full moon treating you she'll be like can't fucking sleep dude it like literally i like, can't sleep and i'm like yeah i'm awake too but not for the same reason. No. <laughs> I'm by like, choice. I can buy choice. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we, we were just down at Noosa for the, or like uh, Alex heads for the full moon. Yeah. You could have surfed easy. I, the, I'm actually, I'm not going to say where, it, but I did surf in one of the previous full moons. Really? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm I've gonna, never done I'm not going to say when, where, cause everybody will go there. No, no, the that's next all full moon, But um, my brother and I had like a super rad session just recently. Um, full moon we waited till about two o'clock in the morning like crystal clear water like there's actually dolphins grab my brother my brother was like how was that wave like i was surfing along the wave face and it was like full moon lit up and then next minute dolphins like jumping at night and we're just like i'm like unicorn moment so that's like like, how is that different to a dream oh it's so good you know what i mean like it's real but but like how (laughs) is that how is that more real you know like if you if that because that's like so out of reality that you're like surfing a full moon crazy waves dolphin in the wave like that is a dream you know yeah well it's like a it's like a dream coming real is what it is yeah it's full on it's super cool I've, i've surfed probably like four or five full quite often when the full moons come i'm either looking every time there's a full moon every month i'm either looking like is there surf that i can surf during the full moon or can i go base jumping and like for months the past months especially up here on the gold coast windy every full moon or like yeah, cloudy been, and yeah. i just get devoured like i'm like damn it like there's a waste of like good full moon how are you still like frothing so hard <laughs> like you just haven't got well like you barely look like you've aged since i met you know you know and funny? you're frothing so hard you know still. what's funny people say people like oh how people meet me and they, how, how old are you and i'm like i'm like take a guess they're like oh 27 to 30 yeah. i'm like yeah i'm like you know what you know what i think it is like i try and look after myself but i wouldn't say that's it because i'm like a sucker for an energy drink every now and again yeah. and i'm definitely a sucker for beers and a bit of partying yeah um but i think it's just being focused on fun yeah it's like 
every day I'm getting up and I'm trying to do like a minimum of a couple of activities and, yeah. and fun, whether it's surfing or riding my bike or stand up paddle boarding or whatever it may be. I think it's just like not being beat down by life and yeah. by working a nine to five job that I hate and having a sense of purpose Yeah, is, is honestly is all I can put it down to at this point. But heaps of people say to me, like I've been out in the sun my whole life and I don't really feel like I've like aged too hard. No, not at all. I'm it's losing crazy. a bit of hair, but that, uh, Cap will fix that. Yeah, you can deal with that. <laughs> you've, been, you've been losing hair for a while. I so have, you're right. I, I you're right, you're, but that was, good. That, was always, um, that was always going to happen. My, my granddad and my uncle on my mum's side, they were like bald by 21. So the fact that I made it to 30 with some hair left, we're like, yep. Me and my, brother, me and my brother are both the same. We're like, now we're like, you know what? Kelly Slater made bald good. We're good. Yeah, we're in. Bald's cool. Jason Statham, Kelly Slater. Thank you. Yeah, yeah there's a couple of good ones. <laughs> there's a couple of good ones. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, it's fucking hard, though, to make a decision to fund. Like, I'm sure you've had some pretty rough moments in your life where you've kind of dedicating it to fun <laughs> has a, a, like, definitely has, like, a dark side. Because I'm a dude that's dedicated uh, yeah. my life to w- doing what I want to do. Yeah. But there's a lot of fucking shit that comes with that too at times of just like financial stress it's it's all financial if it like if it it wasn't for financial stuff it would be it would be 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 i would just you know what i like talk to some people every now and again and like if i won lotto not that i would because i never never buy a lotto ticket but hypothetically I would just keep doing the same things that I'm already doing now anyways. You just do more of it. Yeah, just exactly right. Yeah. And that, and even during like my career when I did have like a bigger amount of cash flow and even more spare time than I currently have, which is still a good amount of spare time, um, I would like do my wakeboard season. So like our seasons used to go like I'd do 32 contests a year and I would spend from um, May to like October in America and I would like base out of Florida and do all the pro wakeboard tours, do all the all the yeah. events, the World Cup tours and stuff. And then I would have this two month period, like November, December. And I would first of all I'd go catch a bit of snowboarding in like Colorado right at the start of the season. And then I would go meet my brother in Hawaii and he was doing shooting for Red Bull, doing all the um, triple crown surfing events. We'd go spend a month and a half, two months like there, just surfing, hanging out, like having the best time. And then I'd come back to Australia january february march like do the contest here and like but every time i had a break you just i would just it. fill yeah. it with more awesome stuff and i find, find, found that that stopped me getting burnt out well I, I need to have stuff like i've got a super obsessive personality yep. and i need to have stuff that i'm like this is it's super hard to do and then yep. i'm like all right here we go and it's like <laughs> like i guess what you said with the parachute thing like you go back to zero yeah and then i almost find like as soon as i'm getting to a point where like i'm getting like really comfortable with something i'm like you're looking for a new challenge yeah, i'm like all right let's yep. go back to zero again yep. and i sort of like i was talking about this with sam i think i sort of sometimes do that the same thing in business a little bit but it's like i wonder if it's like i'm scared to succeed because then you've got the pressure of failure yep. but when you're a white belt at everything then it's like <laughs> there's not that much expected of you you know what i mean and yep. like you've got this freedom there's freedom in being a beginner yeah at stuff and it's like i wonder if it's that or if it's that i do like a challenge but i know i really enjoy going back to that number one fucking starting yeah. block and then you've just got all these people around you that are so much better oh I, I i love the i love being in the in the skydive industry right now and and when people when people from the outside the industry like you guys um and other people look and they're like oh man that guy's that guy's 
kind of badass at doing that stuff now uh and he you know dedicates a lot of time and energy and life to it um and for me i'm like every day i'm like man i'm such a baby yeah such a baby like people be like oh my god like how many skydives or how many bass jumps have you done and i'm like well done like 2500 skydives and roughly around five almost 500 bass jumps and people like oh my god like mine's blowing that's amazing and then i hang out with guys and they're like i've got 3000 bass jumps and like 20,000 skydives and I'm yeah. like oh man I got a lot to learn you know and yeah. I but I love being around those people that have so much experience to give like and that for me meeting and knowing and learning from those people they're the ones that make me feel like this can be sustainable and I can do this for the rest for of a my, long time for yeah. a long time and as long as I make smart choices then we'll be good yeah. you know and that's and that's what both like Kayla and I talk about it all the time you know like a, you know the last thing i want to do we've just been married last thing i want to do is like exit stage left of the world and leave yeah. her like shit you know like so that that's a that that's a conscious thing on my mind for sure yeah that's got to be a heavy one to navigate in a way because like because there's this analogy that i can't remember where i got it from but it, it's like a um you I think like there's a thing that goes on with people and you see it in like couples all the time right where you'll get a couple and it's almost like a girl and guy like it's not related to mm. either sex but it's like oh you want to go and spend your time having doing that and then it, it almost like their angle is that it devalues the time with them or like yeah. oh so it's like you're making a choice of like oh so you'd rather be doing that than hanging out with me yeah and then it becomes <laughs> this like um i guess that's a kind of an ego thing as well yeah, in a totally way. that's, but a, that's then, a like codependent and independent thing too i think like lots of people get together and they become like a, a couple, thing yeah a thing and together and they don't like you still need it like kayla and i talk about this also is like you still need to have your own things like when we first met we were both independent people and i like these things and you like those things we had this set of group of friends and you had this group of friends and there's no reason that you should give up those things even though we now have to have this life together like i wouldn't want to stop her from doing or achieving anything like if she comes like and she knows that she has the she knows that she has the support like if she i I said to her like because people always like oh do you skydive too she's like hell no she's like i'll come and jump tandems with him every now and again she's like i see him base jump all the time but she's like that's just not my thing and she knows if she one day woke up and was like I want to skydive she'd have the best people in the world around her to yeah. help her make that dream happen but in, in the same sense if she wants to start a business doing whatever or or she wants to get into a certain something she knows that she'll have that support yeah. from me and i don't need to be specifically involved in yeah. it i can just give her i can be like, I'm like if you want to go can, do yeah. that go do it don't let me hold you back and yeah. in the same sense of fine like don't hold me back from my dreams yeah also. well i think like that analogy thing <laughs> that i that someone said i can't remember who it was or might have read it or whatever but it's like you pour in a champagne you know there's those champagne chandeliers yeah yeah champagne yep. chandelier thing it's like so you're the cup at the top yeah and then if you take that away then it's like so that's you and then that's all your family friends and you're trying to fill all these people up yeah but if you don't fill up your cup first if your cup stays empty no one else gets full and i think that people get caught in this situation where they're and i think in in like relationships where it's like it's it's like don't go mountain biking don't skydive don't do this spend time with me but it's like that time isn't 
the real time now. Yeah. Because like that cup's not full. <laughs> now, now you've taken away from like, over here. Yeah, you, you haven't gonna, filled. And then this that person's gonna be resentful. Yeah. About the those other those other things. Yeah, and it's like you need this cup has to be full for that champagne shower thing to work. Yeah. And I think yeah, a lot of people just kind of get in that. And then when you find like when you like you've found meaning in this base jump thing mm. you found something in there that is that you're not getting from another place yep. and if you could get it from another place that's where you'd go yeah totally. like it's part of least resistance we're totally. always going to be wired to that yeah so it's like i think that would be a hard thing for you to balance because it's like here's this thing that fills me up but i could die and yeah. it's like and, and then it- you've got the responsibility of then what that leaves so it's like you it's it'd have to be this balancing act of like all right so do i fill up the cup so i've got something to give to everybody mm. else or but i risk not being around for other people yeah or do i not fill up the cup and just be around you know what i mean yeah. like it, that's a hard balance totally. to even even i mean i will say that in every friend that i and the friends that i have lost to the sport everyone like definitely like it chips at my soul a bit as in terms of like I knew coming into the sport that shit would hit the fan sooner or later and I would be involved in some way or another and some shit that I don't want to see but I I like feel like I was mentally prepared and I'm the type of person that can and has and will handle that and not many people are built like that yeah if that makes sense like you can rationalize that what they were doing in a way I I mean I've like I've like been on a jump where I've where there's been two of us jump and only one of us walked away, kind of a thing. And then I've had to deal with the fallout of being on the national news for illegally base jumping. I've uh, had to deal with, um, you know, having to talk to that person's family, and I've had to, you know, the, the you see the pain, the pain and the grieving and all the things. But I knew when I got into this that 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 was that's a choice that you make. That the, on the other side, the joy. And the camaraderie and the friendships and the passion and the adventures and the places that it's taken us. Like for me, the risk versus the reward is still enough or yeah. it's still more than it, much more than enough for me to like spend or put so much time into it. Whereas, you know, maybe one day it'll get to the point where yeah, it, where that enough. changes. Yeah. And, and at that point I'll be like, that's okay. I'll, I'll, and I will have probably been to the places that I want to go and achieve the things that I want to do. And maybe I'll get to a point where I'm like, okay, now, now things change, but I'm only willing to like, my, like my parents, when, when this said situation happened, Oh, you're going to quit now. And then I had a uh, girlfriend previous a few years back that was like, Oh, you got to quit. You got to quit. Like, I'm like, I'm not quitting. This is my, on my terms. Yeah. Like the, I like have always lived my life that way on my terms, the way I see things not by someone else because that's that's your life like yeah you make your choices so either you love it and you deal with the choices that i make or you walk on yeah. and in which case young love got to walk on yeah. you know like yeah i'm like i've been thinking about this thing since i was 16 years old and i've spent a lot of time getting to here yeah so sorry but i've committed oh, i'm already committed over here so yeah I'm and then and then when kayla and i got together like when we did get finally get together and start dating it was kind of a it was already pre it was a prerequisite you know it was already written in like you know like yeah, i'm a base this jumper is, this is what i do yeah and like she like she'll put her foot down on on some stuff when it like let's put it this way i had a rig um of a friend of mine borrowed like i didn't have a rig at the time like a base jumping rig um and a good friend of mine um tom lent me this rig a buddy of his 
Um, but it was a buddy of his that had passed away from a from uh, completely unrelated accident. And I was using the rig for a while and there was just a couple of like, Eggy. just yeah. like little things that like we went to New Zealand and then the rig went missing in, in some baggage and we didn't get it. And then I did a jump somewhere and la- landed at a river and like had to cut away the, like had to like ditch a parachute and it took us like hours to find it in the river like i didn't think we were ever gonna find it i was like wigging out that my buddy tom was like because he's like that's my dead friend's parachute you know yeah um all these these like three little things happen and then kayla's like that's enough you're not jumping that parachute anymore and i was like yeah you're right like there's just something's not quite right like there's just like little instinctual things um vibes just a weird thing (laughs) (laughs) and i know i had no bad vibes at the start i I probably jumped it like 50 times used to jump it all the time but then things then started getting a little things and then you start thinking about a little little few more little things and they're the that's the intuition that i really try and like be hyper aware of of. with all my base jumping stuff like off like often i go and do jumps in places by myself solo I love the solo aspect. Yeah. I love going somewhere in the middle of the night, dead of night. Nobody's there to motivate me but myself. Like, I'm like, there's no ego. Like, I'm standing somewhere and I'm like, there's nothing to prove. It's in the dark. There's no cameras. Like, I'm only here because only I wanted to do this. And I've often had times where I might be climbing a tower or something and I've got like good Jeff, good Jeff and bad Jeff here sitting yeah. on my shoulder and one's going, yeah, let's go. Let's rage. And the other one's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, how do we get here? Like, Don't kill us. This is terrifying. <laughs> like, you know, like, this is, this is crazy. What are you doing? Like, how do, how are you? You're, everybody else is asleep at home in their warm bed all snuggled up with their partner and, and I'm just like charging the castle by myself like in the middle of the night. And then, but then I'll get through that situation and I'll, and I'll go somewhere and I'll, then I'll have a really good time. But at the same time, like I was saying, that intuition stuff, Kayla and I talk about it all the time where if I get bad, if I just get somewhere and everything might be perfect, but I'm just like, something just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I call it. I have like a kind of a three strike rule. Um, whereas like maybe I nearly have a run in with a security guard or something yeah. weird happens on the way or just something doesn't feel right. I like one, two, third time I'm out. Like yeah. every time, like it doesn't matter it's small or large. Like, and sometimes I like really question myself because you've, you've got to tap into, am I just being a pussy? Yeah. Or is this like a, is this a, like a real something that I should be taking be note like, of? Yeah. And you don't want your ego to overtake you and be like, yeah, no, nah, just don't be a pussy versus it actually being something. And I have like, I've had a time where I've climbed a tower, got up there, called her because generally like the way it runs. So there's good I'm, service on I'm, cell towers. <laughs> mint, <laughs> full mint, bars, full bars, <laughs> mint as Telstra. Thanks. Uh. Thanks for the towers and the service. <laughs> um, you know, I've gotten up somewhere and I'm like, everything's perfect. Everything's good. Wind's good. Looks good. No dramas. And I get up and I'm just like, mm. <sighs> something just like, something just feels off. Fuck it. I'll climb down, come home, pull my, I've actually climbed down uh, a tower, pulled, gotten home, pulled my gear out and just like inspected my gear just as like a, I'm like, okay, well, let's something see if this feels, feeling is right. And I've like found a packing mistake and it might like potentially wasn't an issue but potentially could have been an issue. Yeah. It's weird that I had an intuition on that jump and that I pulled it out and that I found that, like that tells me to listen really hard to that intuition. That's like where <coughs> I get, um, that chair's fucking terrible. It's squeaky, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's terrible. Was, like, can you hear it through your... I, I don't know whether I can hear it through my mic or just through the... Like, not just to mention I have thing. a hard time sitting still, so... <laughs> That's all right, mate. You're a base jumper. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, that's where like that's where I start to get super deep in like what reality even is. Like, what is this thing that we're all doing here? Because like I've had a I've had a time where like I was I'd spent a, a like super stressful customs thing, and I was like, ah, like this is fucking shit. And uh, you know, you got expensive cameras mm. and like everything's by the book, but it takes one dude, and then like just you know how it goes, it's eggy. Yeah. And then like so, I remember coming down the escalator sussing out the whole thing i assume lax lax yeah of course hundreds of people and then there's all these security dudes it's just standard like i've been through it a hundred times and then i just like i had a bad feeling of like oh fuck i just don't want to do this right now like it just it vibes yeah and then i see this one dude who was like having a laugh with these people and i was like out of the probably 40 times I've come into this airport, I've never once seen a dude smile. Yeah, as a and customs I, agent. as a, He's the agent. Yeah. And I'm stressing because I've got my expensive cameras and all my hard drives and it just takes one guy to fuck the whole show. Yeah. And, um, and then I'm like, I see this guy and I'm like, that's my guy. Yeah. And you go down the escalators and then you've got this line for uh, uh fucking citizens this line for um immigrants blah 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 Uh, and then you go you got a 50 50 there and then you got eight lanes there and you got eight lanes there and then those eight lanes split Split, yeah so it's like i used to play the i used to play customs rule all the time too i know exactly what you're talking about yeah and then so like but it's the worst feeling i've ever had about like i really want to like i didn't i was just tripping yeah and um and then i saw this dude smiling and then it was like 50 50 then it was one in 16 yeah and then it was um one in two off of that one in 16 and i got the fucking dude that was smiling <laughs> and i'm like man what well, what game are we playing here like the the st- like statistical mm. odds of that happening are slim to fucking none yeah and then i got that guy and i just mentioned football football season just started and i was like damn and he's like stamp stamp yeah and he one. was like <laughs> and i'm just like tripping man because i'm like like i'm fully made that happen you know, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, cause you're like the odds of that being coincidence are just r- yeah. ridiculous. But then you think about like your parachute thing. So it's like you get up and then you got that three strike rule, you get eggy, you come down, yeah. you unpack your parachute. It's like, yeah. was there really something there or did you manifest that, yeah. that parachute being not packed? Like, was yeah. that, was a confirmation bias? Yeah. And it's like that fucks with me because there's been so many instances in my life well, i where get i get de- like it, the dreaming thing's one thing the deja vu thing that i get is also another thing and to the point where sometimes i've been places and like you and i might be having a conversation you're like i've done this into the conversation i'm like i know how this conversation is going to go if i say this the conversation is yeah. going to go in this yeah. direction if i say this it's going to go in this direction might not be such a good direction yeah and as it's happening you say the things and i'm like yep no, that's gonna. Yep, Dude, you said I've that. had yeah, that so exact same thing. It doesn't thing. have. I wish I could tap into it more. It seems super trippy, eh? But yeah. I, I'm like, if you could tap into that all the time, that would be like ultra, like, because you'd have like intuition all the time. And you like, have the thing where, like, you have that moment where you're like, oh shit, yeah, because it doesn't happen much, eh? Nah, no, but not, I not fully, enough, that's for sure. And I fully get that, like, and yeah, yeah you just get that feeling of like oh man I, if I say this it'll yeah this will happen let me tell you something uh, during my wakeboard career most of the most of the times that I ever won I knew I was gonna win the day I woke like I'd wake up in the morning and I, I was like 
I got this already. Like, and I would just like, and I would be able to compete with a certain level of confidence because you were so sure of the outcome. I was already sure of the outcome. Yeah. It's like, it was really trippy that like, again, that to me is like that confirmation bias. Yeah. So it's like with that customs dude, I like looked at him and I was like, Oh, that's, that's my, I'm I'm manifesting that, that that's the thing that needs to happen right now. And then your suit is like, Oh, that was eggy. Get there could be something wrong. Get down. Oh, there is something wrong. Or how's, I mean, maybe I should just tell you the story about Kayla and I. Um, Kayla and I met in 2005 at the ASR trade show in San Diego. I was um, wakeboarding for Alpine Stars. They were my clothing label. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. I loved Alpine Stars. I love those guys. They're awesome. Um, So I was wakeboarding for those guys. It took me years to get on with them. And I I negotiated a contract where I got a dirt bike as a part of my contract. I got to go on the surf team adventures with them. Um, I got to do lots of cool stuff. But we met. Um, and then like a week later we went to the big wave surf awards together. Like I got in, like I basically was standing on a, on a curbside in the morning after a big night and her and her girlfriend walk out and they're like, Hey, you're getting a cab to ASR and we shit a cab down to ASR. And then I was like, Oh my God, who is this like cute little Hawaiian girl? And, um, got her number that day. A week later we went to like the big wave surf awards and then like randomly, randomly like uh, that year we like met up on the North shore and stuff as well. But we're like, I said to my brother at the time, I said, oh my gosh, if I could meet this chick in my 30s, I'd probably be like ready to marry her, you know? Yeah. But I'm like, I'm 23. I'm like, I just got on the wakeboard tour. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll like, just fuck this up. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's exactly, I was like, I would for sure screw this up. <laughs> so anyways, years and years go by. And, and over that time, we both like really liked each other, but we never really dated. Like there were some times where it almost happened and we kind of like, we we're almost like, Oh, but I was living on the East coast. She's living on the West coast and just kind of was never the right time where I was dating someone she wasn't or vice yeah. versa. And then I went on this base jumping trip. Like I started base jumping, went to Moab, went all over the country. We hadn't like really even spoken for a few years. And I was flying back into, I flew back from like Phoenix into LA, um, rang her randomly out of the blue because I knew she lived really close to the um, to the airport. I was like, hey, are you around? And I was expecting like, oh, she's going to be like, oh, I'm busy, blow me off, whatever. She's like, no, nah, like, I'm like, I got 60 bucks left in my name. I'm going back to Australia tonight. I know that I like I'm gold class. So I know that I can feed my way on the way through. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't really need any money to like get like back in and I'll be back at mum and dad's after that. Yeah. Um, so I meet up with her. She's like, yeah, let's grab some bikes. We'll go down to Hermosa, catch a sunset. Like, and then we'll go to this burger joint. I like blow the, like blow the 60 bucks on burger and champagne basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, but we go on this bike ride and, um, we go on this bike ride and we're just talk, talking, catching up on life. And that the whole idea to like catch up and see it was always going to be totally platonic. It was never, it was more like, yeah. Oh, we're just friends at this point. Like I never, I didn't even think yeah. or delve into it anymore. And we're riding along and she's like, yeah. So I'm like, what, you know, what's up with life? What's going on? She's like, Oh, I've been seeing this guy in Colorado, but the, you know, like there's a big gap in terms of travel and, and I'm, you know, I'm just kind of getting a weird vibe from it. And she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to like, I think I'm going to like call it quits on that one. And I'm just like light bulb. Bing. Bing. Yeah. Like full light bulb moment. I'm like, no way. I've got insider information. She's going to be single soon. Like, this is amazing. And I'm like, I'm 32. I said to myself all those years ago, like if, if I yeah. can meet her in my 30s and we hadn't like kind of hadn't connected for a while. 
that I would be totally into this. And I like literally, we had an awesome night that night. I flew home to Australia and then like for the next six months, I was just like a pest, like <laughs> Skype message, come to Australia, like it'd be amazing. Like all these things. And her, her best friend, Danny is um, from South Bay is living down in Sydney and she'd always kind of, she'd never been out here. So she yeah. was like, well, I could come down at Christmas time and see Jeff and, if it's shit, I could just like go there and just hit the eject button and go hang out in Sydney. Yeah. Pineapples, pineapples, pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And she comes down and we're like, I like, we meet in the airport and I was like, probably like more nervous than I've ever been. Like, I was like, Oh my God, this chick's coming down. And I like, normally I'd never, normally I'm like super confident. Yeah, I'd yeah. never be like that. You know, we came down, we had like the best week ever. And I was like, I'll drive you to Sydney. So then we drive to Sydney. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go base jump in the blue mountains with all these guys you guys you guys do your thing didn't really like did it went to the blue mountains for like a day and then like went down actually picked the girls up and then i'm like you guys want to come camping in the blue mountains took them all up once like, we jump off some crazy shit oh, like me and like 30 guys they were like this is so rad like actually our roommate mel who lives with us now used to live in sydney she also came on that trip with like all randomly came together and then after that we we're like let's do this she went back to the states and um I actually sold everything that I had here, my dirt bike, everything to get back up to the States. And then we like started dating and we like started being full on after that. That's heavy. Eh? And then now we got married. Which is very recent. Very recent. A month. Now it's you're part of one. Yeah. And so are you guys planning on staying here or what do you reckon? Um, we, I mean, we have so many options. Yeah, true. We have so many options. It's, um, we could, we could go back to Hawaii. We could go back to California. Hawaii'd be so terrible. Like, just go there and surf. Because <laughs> is she from Kauai? She's from Hawaii. She is from Oahu. She's from oh, the okay. east side, from yep. Kailua. Yeah. Um, but we're we're tossing up New Zealand. Actually, really, we've been here for two years. Um, base jumping is obviously illegal. Yeah. Which is a real pain in my ass because I like to base jump a lot. Whereas if I go back to New Zealand into the mountains, dude, tell people about. I I wish this was like more of a thing because. New Zealand just has their whole public lands deal figured out, right? Oh like, gosh, you can like, do whatever the fuck like, you like want in a national park. Well, like, other than bring a dog, because we have so much native birds, like, that's about one of the only things you can't do. But we have, like, like DOC, which is Department of Conservation. Um, and there's so... I mean, there's so much open mountain range and beautiful bush and areas. And there's lots of... Um, they have, like, DOC huts, which they have, like, walking... You can go on few day hikes and there'll be huts within the bush area that you can go stay in for free or for like 10 bucks a night and it has yeah. all the basic amenities you carry what you need so you can do dirt bike trips you can do like new zealand is the epitome of adventure yeah you know um and that's why for me like i work for skydive australia um they own some drop zones in new zealand um it's one specifically in wanaka and we've been like well maybe we'll go to wanaka and kind of see how it goes like we can always here's the thing we can always come back, you always right? come back yeah. like when i lived in florida i never thought like I, I was like this is it this is wakeboarding this is the mecca i'll never go anywhere else and then i like took a took a punt moved to la and i was like holy crap like i met a whole new bunch of people yeah. got to do a lot of stuff with like fuel tv and opened up a lot of like like doing this stuff with robbie madison and on the pipe um project and all sorts of other projects and then so now I'm, I'm of the same thing i'm like we're here we can always come back yeah like we could go there we could be like yeah no nah, that's like not our thing yeah so we could just come back or we could just come back come back and be like yeah neither of them are our thing let's go back to america yeah somewhere like, else 
we've got heaps of options and i like that it's funny too like when you haven't moved anywhere moving is like the biggest thing you mm. can ever do or if you've moved once you yeah. know what i mean or if like if you've moved twice i've been moving then, yeah. every year my whole life since i was 18 and like if i'd almost if i'd like the house we're in right now we've been in for for two years we're on our second year lease and it's about and it's to blowing cl- your mind i like i mean i love it i love i like love the fact that we have like a beautiful house and like every and it's in such a great location and and i can have a garage with all my toys because yeah. before i used to have two houses i'd have like one in america and one here but i'd have to have like everything is like a half you know because yeah. i have two tvs and two this two that whatever and so it's like never like one of the best it was like yeah, two, of, two, like, of, the two of the two yeah. of the medium yeah um whereas like now it has been really nice to be like super settled and we have like a great like this is myself kayla and then our other our other roommate mel and we have like a great like dynamic in the house we're all like we all love to surf we all love to adventure and like go forward drive and go camp and go whatever yeah. so like it will suck when that comes to an end like and it's like everything but again like, you know it's just right there again that's exactly right back. i know if i go somewhere and i'm like i'm either it will open rad new opportunities which i imagine it will anyways because i'm always optimistic about that kind of stuff and or, it's like had a track record of actually happening like that <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly yeah. right it has had a track record it's funny yeah hey, like when you um like we'll probably go for a holiday to the states and yep. then like my mates like oh have you booked your flights yet no yeah, I'll probably book them the day before I go. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? but like, people people that don't people do that trip. get wigged out, wigged out about that kind yeah. of stuff. And there's like, oh, what's the plan? You're like, the plan is to not have a plan. <laughs> That's and then right. they're like, oh, that'd stress me out. I was like, well, it stressed me out the first three times. Yeah, and then that, after it good. just keeps working out yeah. then it just doesn't like, stress oh, you out it's not anymore that bad, yeah. yeah you're like oh everyone should do this well, but it's hard to let that go like that fear of the unknown because yeah. i mean i will say i've got caught out and fucked over oh, like me too you know me what too. i mean and, and the only thing it fucks is your wallet yeah and then like it really, just makes you like, grumpy for like two hours like, you're like damn it i screwed up like this is gonna cost me but whatever we get through it but no like i never thought i'd move back to new zealand to be honest i never thought I could go there and I could do something that I would love and potentially make enough money doing what I love. Um, And then with the opportunities with skydiving, I'm like that those are there if I want them and to be able to like potentially live in the mountains and wingsuit base jump legally every day um, is something while I'm like still super fit and, and can do this. I feel like I'm in like a prime while you still got the philosopher's stone just like hanging in your pocket there (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if you get the harry potter reference but that's the uh what immortality yeah the dude that has that just never fucking grows up yeah yeah like peter pan over here yeah well that's just chilling (laughs) yeah yeah that's exactly right so so anyway we'll go we'll go i know i know my years of like I know like I've gotten married everybody's like oh when are you gonna have kids when are you have kids and we're kind of like well we still want to travel and do some other fun things just do it with a kid but I know it's looming on the horizon so I'm like yeah. well let's do some fun stuff and see where we go and then let's let's find a I've got projects that I want to set up here in yeah. Australia um and and you know as a potential like businesses down the line so i know well and you know my my family lives here so yeah. it'll always be this you know, is like a, it's always gonna always going to be a home yeah. new zealand's always been home hawaii always feels like home and so does california so for me like someone always is like oh where are you at i'm like i'm home could be anywhere yeah home's like, just where your mates are that's exactly yeah. well i got mates all around the world yeah. so home is pretty much everywhere yeah. i feel like i feel like i could go to almost any country in the world and like have access to a boat a car maybe a helicopter sometimes like you know like i know enough people 
that gypsy tales, like, son. <laughs> yeah, I know enough people, and I love it. I love it. I love the traveling. Yeah, that's that's definitely yeah. That's I think that's why we've been such good mates too, because mm. it's very like very relatable to yeah. like the that modern gypsy lifestyle of yeah. just like. I'm but I want to be yeah. like the dirtbag gypsy, like the you nah. know, like the rock climbers, like I don't, like that have just like not a poster person. Yeah. Um, I do like a few few of the finer things in life. Refined gypsy, yeah. a modern gypsy. Yeah, like Ford F two fifty, some dirt bikes, but you know, like yeah. a toy, all the toy, a toy hauler. <laughs> my problem is, I all my toys are spread out. Yeah. So I got like I'm playing, like I've got kind of that same thing. Like I'll I got shit in storage in America, and it's like mm. I got four surfboards in storage. And like my favorite set of golf clubs. I've got sets of moto gear in three countries, yeah. like just waiting. Yeah, like, and that's the same thing. I got all this moto gear sitting in storage, and then I'm like, I'm like borrowing everybody's shit here, and everyone's like, "Oh, fucking gypsy!" And I'm like, "Dude, I have shit. It's just not in this it's country. It's not right here. It's yeah, right in now. storage. It's yeah. locked away." I and swear, like, I'd use my own stuff if I had it. Oh, and then like surfing on the weekend when we went up to um, Alex Heads, it was pumping, and yeah. I just. I don't have my surfboard. My surfboard's <laughs> in California. So it's like, I can't, I don't have access to all the shit I want. <laughs> well, next time you need surfboards, just let me know because I've got a whole garage full. I might this weekend because yeah. I'm supposed to get waves, eh? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I, th- so I've just been, um, I had this super cool little um, setup where Kayla and I, or I brought Kayla a stand-up paddleboard a while ago um, just for we brought it for her birthday and we took it down to the pass and we we're like just i've been like taking a surfing tandem on it oh and yeah put a put a post up on instagram and anyways i get a call like a while later oh you're on an ad now. A call uh, get a call a while later get, well later the guys from surfboard warehouse call me up they're like hey we want to do some projects like we want to maybe create some content like we've got some a bunch of boards and a bunch of different things and I've been doing some stuff with them for like about a year now. Really? We've been doing heaps of cool, heaps of cool fun projects with their stand-up paddle wars. We've yep. gone on like surf trips, um, like design and product development. And um, I've been super loving it. Like I'm like, go figure. I like quit my, you know, like my professional wakeboard career. Always wanted to be a pro surfer. And then net, like now I'm making money, like working with surfboard, like surfing for these guys and like doing some cool stuff and like loving it. Like, well, I so saw, cool. yeah, I saw you guys posted like a stand up paddleboard thing the yes. other day. So yep. I was like, oh, yeah, that was cool. one of them. We've done all sorts of stuff. We went up to the cable park. They wanted to do some kind of off the cuff stuff, um, kind of like Jamie O'Brien esque. Um, they want, and so we, sorry, right? Three minutes left on three your hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Make it quick. We um, went up there and they were like, we're going to do like this strength test. Like, do you want to smash some of our boards up on, on rails on the cable park? So we went out there, took oh, a bunch of boards. Dude, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So went out there and, and I tr- honestly tried to smash some boards. I was actually disappointed. That like, you couldn't fuck them up. That I couldn't fuck them up as much. I did eventually snap one board, but it took like, I had to come back another day and send it off a kicker a few more times. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you do that. But, but yeah, like it, it's been super fun working with them. It's cool. Random. But super random. random so but so awesome. I do have a lot of surfboards in my garage if you need some. Yeah, I might be. But I kind of jacked my knee the other day. And I <sighs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to the doctor because I'm like, yeah, I could have snapped an ACL. And I just don't want to deal with that right now. <laughs> But I can't go from sit to stand. So. Yeah, that's not good. Not a good sign. <laughs> I was going to. And I just heard the biggest pop ever. Just like, bang. So 
So I was yeah. like, that's yeah, probably something that's fucked. I, I could, uh, yeah, I can, I can show you how how to figure out whether it's an ACL or not. Yeah, do you do Super that? Easy. Like, you do the, just pull it like from the from the back, and it'll like slide out. The bottom, yeah. the tip fib will slide out very easy. Well, I was talking to Eddie Casillas. It's really shit. You see, and you're have like, have you yeah, done it? Fuck yeah, yeah. My right knee is flogged. My yeah. right knee. I've had three knee surgeries on. Yeah, well, that, I was talking to um, Eddie Casillas. Is like a like my sports doctor dude. Like if I ever get hurt, yeah. he's in California, and I called him. He reckons it's probably more likely that I like dislocated it and it just went like <laughs> out and in like like tib fib femur went across yeah. and yeah. back and then that's like what the noise well, was. Well, that's exactly what happened and that was my first ACL. So yeah, <laughs> but, but it, MR, didn't, it didn't swell up though. Yeah, mine never did. Either. Did it hurt uh, after yeah. you did it? Uh, no, like oh, it, my mine hurt like fuck when I did it, mm. but then as soon as I like I kept going, yeah. um, but I just uh, then like I. I was sitting down here and then I went to get up and I was just like, so you actually bang. did it standing up. No, no, no. I was on the ground when I, when I oh, did it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say you did it standing out of a chair that can't be. No, no. So like I, I did it at the gym and <laughs> yeah. then, but oh, I was like okay. on the ground and then I got up and I was all right. And then I, I came back here, sat down, stood up and it was like someone shot my knee again. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck. And then like, it's yeah. not good if it's happened a couple of times. No. And then I got up in the morning, like yesterday morning and I forgot about it again. Cause again, it doesn't yeah, yeah, hurt until I'm like <laughs> sitting down and then I stood up and then fucking bang again. Like someone shot me in the knee. So anyway, we'll figure that <laughs> oh, out. Man. Could be a ton of podcasts coming up. Like <laughs> I can't do anything else. Well, at least you'd be able to do like some sports science. You'd be able to like talk to some people that have been through that. Oh, you could probably have me in again. And we can talk yeah, about just, my knee. All right. Like, this is all. the ACL podcast for Jeff. <laughs> all right, Jeff, we're running out of time no worries um, 30 seconds ago we timed this fucking well mate thank you dude hey, i really thanks, appreciate thanks it for having it's me so in. good to see you yeah it's awesome we need to catch up this weekend yeah cool Let's thanks guys see ya <laughs>